live from Vanadio. Broadcasting live from the North Compound on Elshmo Island in beautiful Vanadio. Limit Break Radio. With your hosts and Nero. It's the most brutal thing ever. It's so much more black. Kahlo. Don't forget, fair damsel. You've got to have faith in the thief. Sales. Oh my god, we're burning alive! And Gamer. Well, the church thought called, and they're running out of you. Welcome to the next level. LimitBreakRadio.com Welcome to Limit Break Radio. I, of course, am one of your hosts, Aniro. Dancing? Yeah, dancing. And I'm Kahlo, kicking it from the back. <laughs> dancing? What? Dancing. I'm not going dancing. Oh, okay. Still. Yeah. And that's it. That's just the two of us today. Your only hosts for, uh, for this edition of Limit Break Radio. But we are proud to have returning to the show Elmer the Pointy. Elmer, how's it going? Hello. Doing all right. How are you guys? Oh, uh, we uh, we are excellent. Although we are uh, we are roasting alive currently. Nero decided to turn the room into a sauna. Uh, yes, but uh, but it wasn't necessarily my decision. Um, it uh, it's definitely been an Indian summer here in North. I mean, it was there was you know it was like wasn't it like two weeks ago? It was like sixty seven degrees. Yeah, and but, now it's like whoa. But like you eighty five today. But you shut the door, closed the windows, and turned off all the fans. Yes. Um, that was your choice. N- well, no, unfortunately. We can w- vote on it. I vote they open back up. It's, uh, it, it actually would cause a, uh, a great deal of noise to, uh, you know, uh, to, to have all of those, uh, those fans running. So, uh, unfortunately, we're not. Uh, it didn't keep us from getting rid of Juxta. True. True. Yeah, I guess you gotta. And fans actually bring bring something positive to the show. All right, all right. Here, for the sake for the sake of an, uh, for the sake of argument. All right. Here, here's a fan. We're gonna put it. We're gonna turn it on. All right. Oh, that feels good. Well, yeah. When you point it right at the the, the <laughs> microphone, it's a little bit different. It creates an a, a great deal of noise. Point it away from the microphone. Oh, the noise left. <laughs> You still, you still got a, a plenty of noise in the background. You can, you can clearly hear it. So no. Oh, fair enough. You stole me Quiznos. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Uh, so on today, we're, we're, we're. I'm really excited about today's episode. Really? Yeah. I would be. <laughs> you would be freaking hot. Oh yeah, it is. Besides, besi- besides that, I besides would be. That, yes. yes, I would be very excited. No, you are very excited. I know you are. We've wanted to talk about this for a really, really long time. Honestly, since uh, since the very, very beginning days of LBR, uh, we've always wanted to talk about uh, the uh, legends and lore and the uh, the mythos of uh, of Vanadil. Uh, and uh, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Now, that's I mean, granted, that's a huge subject. That is a huge subject, and there's no way that we're going to be able to talk about everything there is to talk about as far as uh, you know, uh, as as far as that massive topic is concerned. So, what we're going to have to do today is we're going to have to narrow it down to uh, to you know maybe 
I don't know, 15 things you may not have known about Von Adir? That we're pulling out of a hat. Uh, not quite, no. Not <laughs> not quite a hat. <laughs> There's no hat. Where's the it, hat? It's still kind of random, though. <laughs> we, ha- we, we have that big, thick stack of papers, which is written in blood. Uh, and we're just going to flip to a random page. We're really? going to tell you about it. Elmer, did you write these in blood? Elmer the Pointy writes in blood. Everyone knows this. <laughs> in blood. <laughs> yes, everyone knows this. He 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 scribes the uh, the updates on JP button button in blood, and then he feeds them into a scanner that then updates the front page. That's how it works. If for those of you that didn't know, that's actually Elmer. Isn't that that's how it works? Isn't it? I thought it was fifteen things you don't know about Vanadia. <laughs> right, but you kind of just do all of it. Not my occultist updating practices. <laughs> That's what I hear. Uh, word on the street, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, jeez. Nice, nice, Kahlo. But, uh, but no, we're, you know, I, I do want to, you know, I want to preface this real quick. I want to preface this by saying there are a lot of people who wanted to be here. Sale really wanted to be here. Gamer, I think, kind of. You know what? I don't even want to call him Gamer anymore. Okay, <laughs> from now on, we, we we need to come up with a new name for him. <laughs> no, 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 no. We can't come up with a new name for him because Why? if you haven't, because there's a movie coming out called Gamer, and that's just a perfect chance to use those sound bites. Come I think on. That we should. <laughs> well, no, we can't call him the nameless one because that's basically the guy whose name we don't say. Uh, I'm going to come up with a name for Gamer. Yeah. No. All right. If, if you say so. But uh, but uh, also, the other person that really wanted to be here was Tom, too. Tammy! And unfortunately, uh, with uh, with uh, the, the scheduling working out the way that it did, uh, Tom, too, wasn't able to, uh, to join us tonight. Not even able to join us on the stream, unfortunately. Bummer. Bummer. He made a really nice outline. Though. He did. Felix is here. Yeah. He did. And, and, and I got to say, yes, I, and I, I have to absolutely credit him. With uh, with really making a, a dynamite outline that uh, that we're going to be following for tonight's show. So tonight's show brought to you by Tom Two. Not written in blood, though. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think. I don't think the, Tom- the Dutch don't write in blood. <laughs> they use chocolate. Fair enough. So uh, we're going to uh, we're going to be talking about uh, plenty of uh, of interesting uh, stuff here when it comes to uh, to Von and Deal. But first, there are a, uh, a couple of things that I, I want to mention. Now, uh, before the show, you heard me nattering on about uh, how uh, how you should donate to our uh, FanFest and New Equipment Fund. Please consider it. We're giving you lots of reasons to donate. Let's go through everything that you get if you become a Starbreaker. Ready? Come on, Kyle. you got to help me here. A million gil in your delivery box, maybe. No. No. May- maybe. No. Stop! We cannot promise that. No. So uh, maybe. here's but here's what you do get. Okay, you get access to LBR in the raw. Right as soon as the limit break radio is recorded, we've got uh, we we you get access early access to fully edited finished episodes before they're released. You get access to Starbreaker exclusives and uh, something that we plan on uh, uh, extending here in the upcoming year a little bit more. And oh, one of our newest features, you get to participate in our Starbreaker 
online chat room as a part of our exclusive stream. We are streaming now all uh, almost all of our episodes. Kahlo, you got in on it with the Rogues Den. Uh, Edwith and Elegantly Edwith got in on it. Uh, everyone's uh, everyone's doing the stream thing. So uh, so definitely, uh, it, you know, send you know five dollars. That's really all it takes. And you're and you're a Starbreaker for life. That's that's it. For life. For life. <laughs> it's written in no blood. <laughs> so uh, please, you know, consider uh, consider donating to Limit Break Radio. We're uh, we're we're at about three hundred dollars currently uh, with our donation fund, and uh, and we have a goal of uh, of at least two thousand dollars for this year, uh, so that uh, we can uh, we can get some more equipment to be able to do some uh, more really cool things. Uh, we're going to be bringing you live streaming from Extra Life this year. We're going to be bringing you live streaming from Yomicon. Hopefully, hopefully, I have no idea. I cannot be held responsible for uh, for crappy hotel internet. So, uh, but uh, but we, you know, we've got Yomicon, we've got uh, Extra Life, we've got Fan Fest coming up this year. These are all stuff that we need to do. Not just well, need not need to, but this is all stuff that we really want to do for you guys. Not just so. streaming audio from Extra Life, but there may be some streaming video yes with yes. cool things happening that may or may not involve blood <laughs> Pro- probably not no no they might they, there's a very good chance that blood may be drawn by some of these things um uh i don't i don't know if I, how much how much I, I how much we should talk about this yet because uh this Just is that much this is this is Just really i mean this is a really new idea that we came up with like literally just today okay but check this out all right for extra life we're trying to work on some maybe doing some videos right okay and here's the idea if you guys raise that total that total um, amount raised to x amount well, you'll be able to watch the hosts and some of the participants of Extra Life do a live challenge. Live challenge. More like live humiliation. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it could get very interesting. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, more information about that coming up uh, in uh, our next couple of episodes. Another thing, uh, we just announced Limit Break Radio's second semi-annual extravaganza call-in Bonanza Special Volume 2. The Electric Bugbear Boogaloo. That is correct. Uh, that, you, guys, you, you guys didn't know that bugbears could boogaloo, but they can, <laughs> and it's electric. Um, this actually is going to be part one of our annual two-part uh, uh, anniversary episode. This year, of course, marking three years for Limit Break Radio. Woo go us. Um, but uh, but here, check it out. Here Here's the info. Friday, August 28th, starting at 5 p.m. Eastern, and Saturday, August 29th, starting at noon Eastern, uh, we're going to be taking calls all, uh, you know, for a couple of hours and uh, answering your questions. This can be heard by everyone, not just Starbreakers, by everyone, 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 everyone over at Radio XI. Radio XI is going to be going through a big relaunch, um, so make sure you check out their their website soon uh, for, uh, for the relaunch of their stream and uh, more new live content coming to Radio XI in this upcoming year, so look forward to that, all right? Um, so, uh, 
make sure you register for the call-in special uh, by adding the uh, the Skype name Limit Break Radio. That's all one word to your Skype contact list. And then the day of the uh, the call-in special, just send a message over to uh, to that Skype account name, and uh, we'll get you all set up to uh, to to be you know set up in the queue wherever the call queue is. So uh, that's that's exciting. I'm I'm looking forward to it. The first one the first one was really fun and you know we've been sitting around thinking for a while since they got rid of the uh, the big uh, the Skype casts uh, from uh, from Skype since they got rid of that feature. We've been figuring out how to do this and uh, we're really excited to be partnering with Radio XI to be bringing you some uh, some live content here in the near future um so it's been mentioned a couple of times extra life is coming up extra life 2009 very very exciting stuff always excited for extra life saturday october 17th 2009 is extra life and this year is going to be bigger and better than 2008 we're looking to get uh, get past our total of uh, of eleven thousand dollars we're looking to get at least twelve thousand dollars. All right, and remember, remember, I told you guys that uh, that we might be doing some challenges. All right, I'm going to tell you right now. All right, all right, spoilers. Here it comes. Right now, we get to the twelve thousand dollar mark. All right, you guys. I know some of you guys have seen my picture out there. All right, imagine uh, Kevin Smith. With the hair from what's the the big dude from uh, Silent Bob? No, from Death Clock. Oh, oh, uh, Nathan Explosion. Yeah, all right. Imagine, uh, uh, imagine Kevin Smith with Nathan Explosion's hair. Yeah, kinda. That, that's what a Nero looks like. Kinda. Um, I'll I'll post pictures of of my uh, awesome metal locks uh, somewhere on the website. All right, but here's the deal: if we reach a total of twelve thousand dollars, all right, I'm cutting all my hair off. And donating it to Locks of Love. All right? The beard, too? No, I don't think that they could use that. Well, I mean, are you, are you going to shave the beard off, no. though? No. Oh, God, no. Oh, see, I think I think whole body. No. Shaved. Do it. No. no do it. Uh-uh. 15000 no He's shaving no his way. entire body. No. Uh, uh, 15000 I'll shave the beard. $15,000, i will shave the beard. And wax your back. <laughs> And we can we can record that. No, oh god, no. not 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 with video. Oh god, but, but sound. Oh yeah, they'd want to hear that. Oh no, that would be horrible. It'd be like forty year old virgin. I think it'd be worse. It'd be terrible. Uh, but uh, but yeah, extra life. Definitely excited for extra life. Um, we we really want you to come out and join us, wherever you are in the world. Uh, come out and join us. It's going to be happening in. Auburn Hills, Michigan, this year over at the Great Lakes Crossing Mall. Timbuktu Cafe is uh, is the name of uh, the the place that we're going to be at. Uh, you can check them out at timbuktu-cafe.com, and uh, and you know they've got a uh, a great facility there. Um, if some of you have seen the pictures of last year's Extra Life uh, Game Go computers, it's kind of like that except uh, in a mall. Um, so, uh, definitely much more centrally located to, uh, to a place like, uh, uh, you know, the, the Metro Detroit airport. Um, so, uh, definitely a little bit easier to How far? Uh, an hour? For. Uh, yeah, about an hour. Three Maybe. hours with traffic? Uh, yeah, depending, depending, depending. Sometimes the traffic can be miserable. But, 
Um, I, you know, I, I said on a previous show, I've been, I've been looking for uh, group rates. I haven't been able to find group rates. I, 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 I don't know why. Uh, it seems like maybe I, I didn't, didn't get to it early enough. But there are uh, individual rooms still available at a lot of the, uh, the local uh, uh, hotels. So uh, if you're planning on coming out, please let us know. We'd like to know uh, if you're going to be there. Now, here's the deal, all right? Uh, when we're uh, at the Timbuktu Cafe, we're going to be there for all 24 hours, all right? You come during normal business hours from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, we're going to, uh, you know, it's just going to be, you know, you sit down, you play as long as there's an open seat. Uh, you know, you're paying five, six bucks an hour. Uh, to, bring a uh, handheld. Yeah. If uh, there isn't an open seat, you can yes, still be playing. Yes, bring a handheld. Uh, that's uh, that, that might be a good idea. Um, so uh, from, yep, that's from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. on Saturday, October 17th. Now, after 9 p.m., that's when the lock-in begins. All right. Now, we're going to be auctioning off seats for the lock-in starting in about two or three weeks. All right. That's when the first uh, the first pair of seats will go up. All right. We're doing two at a time. Yeah, we're going to do two at a time. All right, so the first two are going to go up. They're probably going to go up on eBay. We'll uh, we'll definitely have uh, links to that on the front page and be letting you guys know. So if you plan on coming out, you want to stay for the lock-in, you want to be there hanging out with us for all 24 hours. Popping uh, no-dos. Yep. Uh, 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 definitely you'll want to get one of those seats uh, for the lock-in. So uh, uh, be on the lookout for that stuff. Um, so... I think that's it. I think. So I, I, oh, 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 no. oh, oh, no, oh, it's not. One oh, more. Elmer, oh, say oh with us. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, uh, one more, one more thing. One more thing. Uh, we, uh, we have now partnered with a brand new service called Stitcher. Um, now I know I know a lot of you have probably noticed that the formatting for our, our our episodes has changed the way that we post those. Our listen page has also changed too. You can uh, of course check that out at our website limitbreakradio.com. But you can now sort by episode whatever episode you want to hear. You can get a full listing of just uh, just that uh, that shows episodes. Um, so that's a really cool function added to uh, to the listen page. Um, but we're now partnered with a uh, w- with a site called Stitcher, which uh, offers uh, streaming audio and streaming podcasts to your smartphone. So if you are a uh, BlackBerry user or an iPod or uh, i uh, iPhone, God, I feel old. <laughs> I couldn't remember iPhone. Wow. Uh, so if you uh, if you are an iPhone user or a BlackBerry user, I just got a BlackBerry myself. I and then you gave thing. me one. Yeah, I sure did. Uh, so uh, so if if I'm you are pawn it. if you are a smartphone user, uh, check uh, check out Stitcher dot com. Uh, we'll also have a chiclet. Uh, added to our episode postings for Stitcher, uh, just hit that and you can uh, check out our, our landing page and uh, and just enter your mobile phone, uh, uh, your mobile phone number, and uh, that's it. You know, you're just uh, you're on on your way to uh, getting streaming audio on your phone through Stitcher.com. Uh, and they've, I mean, they offer a lot of stuff there too, uh, NPR, uh, NBC, ABC News, stuff like that. So uh, definitely, uh, definitely good service. You'll uh, want to check them out, Stitcher.com. So, um, 
I think I. You know what? Usually on on these kinds of episodes, usually what what what? I have a question. What? My hand was raised, guys. I was waiting. <laughs> but okay, so here's what I'm thinking. Because we had a lot of people planning to be on the show, and none of them could come, so it's just us three. I think we need a little bit more flavor in here. So we should see, because because he, he, he was in a pretty big uproar in our research forum about this, but uh, I think we need to have our resident uh, Gulka servant, Velix, come on to, to, to discuss the, uh, the history of the Gulkas with us. Here he is, Vanadil's original man of steel. <laughs> uh, Velix, welcome to the show. Hooray. How you doing? Um, I'm doing pretty damn good. Good. Well, it's good to have you. Um, you're only the second Golka to ever actually come on as a guest to Limit Break Radio. There's so, not many of us. No. No, there no. isn't. And if I have my way, there won't be many more. <laughs> <laughs> that's not... That's, hey, it's not It's not our fault. Elmer gets hit, needs to get his blood from someplace if he's going to keep updating JP button. <laughs> Where did this blood rumor come from? That's what I want. It's not a rumor, Elmer. It's the truth. <laughs> we have pictures. You actually. can't hide it. Uh, the truth that you just made up. The V files. <laughs> the truth is out there. Oh, jeez. All right. So uh, we're talking about uh, we're going to be talking about legends, lore, and history of Vana Deal. Um, and uh, you know, there's uh, there's there's quite a bit. I mean, there's just so much that we have here. There's, I mean, almost a hundred pages. I'm sure that I printed out, and I didn't even print out everything that Elmer sent me either. <laughs> Random factoid. Gulka blacksmiths developed the process of refining mithril. You guys didn't know that, did you? <laughs> well, you're going to be learning a lot that you didn't know about Vonadiel on uh, on this episode. Hopefully. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're an expert. But, uh, you know, I think that we should uh, we should preface this this conversation. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, one thing I want to mention that, uh, you know, since I spent so much time uh, chin on there at the beginning, I think we're going to just skip over mm-hmm. personal updates. Um, <gasps> <laughs> what? Spoilers. The Orcish army once invaded Ronfair. Dun, dun, dun. No. <laughs> no one saw that coming. Uh, I'm pretty sure I fought that one a couple of times. A few, yeah. Levels one through ten. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, you know we got we got a, a bunch of stuff to talk about, but but you know one of the things that I want to kind of preface this, uh, it, you know, uh, by saying and and Elmer, uh, I don't know, maybe you can you can back me up on this, um, is it seems like there aren't very many people out there that are really investigating the history and the uh, you know the the legends, the lore, and uh, you know the the different stories, uh, almost almost kind of like a, 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 a you know Von deal from a cultural aspect. That's that's kind of what you've done in a lot of uh, uh, what you chronicled in your posts up on uh, on Blue Garter, which have been you know subsequently moved over now to uh, to, to JP Button, and uh, you know uh, as uh, I'm, uh, those are still those are still kind of in the process of of being fully resurrected, aren't they? Yeah, right on. A couple of those, but what the thing is, there's people out there who are investigating the history, and there's a that history of Vanadiel site that collected yeah. the stories of expansions and stuff. It's just that, like, really, all those pages I sent you came from just one book that came out in Japan in 2004. Wow! So really, it's like so many players don't even have access to it, and even now, it's like out of print so. yeah yeah 
Well, I mean, you know, and one of the things you can do, I mean, you can even hop on eBay, like right now, hop on eBay, search Final Fantasy XI. There are tons of art books, concept art books, um, you know, uh, uh, in, you know, uh, informational books that were published only in Japan. Um, that yeah. are inc- they look incredibly fascinating, and I'd love, I would have. I would have loved to check some of these out, but unfortunately, you know, usually shipping on them is about as much as the item is itself. Um, and 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 you know, how much? I mean, really, is it is it is it that big of a difference that uh, a lot of this stuff really only exists in in Japanese, like in uh, you know a Japanese format? I mean, well, definitely, I, a lot of the pictures from the art books never really made it around. I remember I did a, a small thing on JP Button about uh, I posted concept art from 11 mm-hmm. and said, I wonder if any of these concepts are going to be put into 14 kind sure. of thing. And yeah, yeah, I remember that, that article. That was, was a very good article. It was from five years ago, but you know, none of it really made it out. Just like when I did the history posts, the book had been out for a couple years, but no one had you know, picked it up and translated it because it's not so widely available. Right. Yeah. And, you know, there are some some, you know, comprehensive timelines uh, that that are out there. Um, uh, Elmer, did you see that? Did you find out that if Blue Garter has one over on their wiki? Oh, yeah. When I first did um, the timelines from the book, one of the posters put it up on BG wiki. Okay, I don't know if it's complete, but he he sort of organized it into a little chart. Awesome, and and that can be found uh, uh, blue garter. That's blue 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 garter ls dot com. Is that it right now? I can't. <laughs> they've changed their, they've changed uh, their URL a couple of times. Oh, wiki dot blue garter ls dot com. All right, in the history category, except it says it's roughly one third complete. Gotcha. I think it was roughly one third complete. Four years ago, too, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 exactly, and, uh, same thing with uh, with FF Encyclopedia as well. Um, you know, they've got uh, they've got a, a pretty good timeline up there uh, too. Except that uh, it, it it hasn't been updated since December two thousand and eight. You know, and and I feel like. I don't know. I feel like that there's a lot of contextual stuff that you can find, especially going back into the past and into the you know the Crystal War area that you could possibly draw from. Yeah, uh, I think one thing you need to keep keep in mind too uh, is that w- compared to other uh, universes, like you know the uh, the Warhammer universe or you know even even the Warcraft universe, you know, with Final Fantasy eleven, that's it. It's just eleven. You know where these games have had. You know, the whole universe has been expanded on over years and years and years and years, and so it's easier to find and collect data, whereas, you know, we just have this one game, and, you know, it's very few people like Elmer that we have to rely on to help that get that information out there and make it more widely available. Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, I think one of the things that we'd like to preface this whole discussion uh, uh, by saying is, is if this is something that, that really interests you, and, and you're very, you know, you find yourself kind of wrapped in this discussion and you want to you want enthralled you want to investigate more please do get use, active use the word enthralled because enthralled no i i have no if problem. this subject enthralls you okay. then you're going to want to get out there and, and definitely look into it and investigate uh yeah and and get involved and and contribute because uh you know that's that's really uh, you know the only way that uh, a lot of this stuff gets out there um, and and especially again, you know, thank you, Elmer, for all your hard work translating a lot of this stuff. That you know, uh, uh, 
just the amount, the sheer amount of stuff in here that there was uh, an amazing amount of work and effort behind that. So, uh, so, so thank oh, yeah. you very much. And like I mentioned to you before, I remember after sending this, I was like, oh, wait, I translated this like three years ago. Yeah. I want, <laughs> I hope I didn't like screw up a bunch <laughs> of it, but, but yeah, I grabbed up all the, the original Japanese pages that I'd shredded up to scan. Nice. And just sort of went over it. And, and the outline, you know, the stuff in the outline looks fine. So. Excellent. Excellent. So um, we're going to talk, we're going to glance over some, some facts and, and, you know, you know, discuss some stuff that, uh, that maybe people didn't know about Von Adil. And, uh, and, and, it, you know, here's, there's some just, some, some really interesting stuff in here. So, all right. Uh, I, I think kind of a, a good place to start. I mean, cause we could, we could go, you know, as uh, we could go way far back into history, you know, back, uh, to, to the gods like Altana and Promathia. But I, I think that that's, that's a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit too primordial. Maybe we want to start a little bit, uh, a little bit farther down the timeline than that. There were six Yagudo wars. <laughs> You're just just reading some of this now. <laughs> Seven forty sixth huh? Yagudo war. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so uh, you know uh, the the Crystal War uh, to to give some people just uh, you know just a little bit of a context. That's only twenty years ago. Um, so, uh, you know, we're going to go, we're going to go pretty far back here and, uh, gosh, where do we, uh, uh, Elmer, where do you think a, re- a good launching point, uh, uh, for this is? Well, let's see. I started it in Bastok. So let's start with the history of Bastok way all right, back. All right, cool. That, that's, that, that's, that's, that's a good way. We, we'll start with, uh. With the uh, with the the big city states first, so yeah, let's let's talk some uh, let's talk some Bastok here. Where's that one at? <laughs> it starts <with> Bastok <laughs> timeline. Technology. <laughs> I see outline of the world. Oh, I found it. There the you go. Timeline. There you go. Age uh, of the we're, beasts. We're not ki- we're not kidding you when we say that we have printed pages upon pages <laughs> of all of this out. And uh, and and again, yeah, there's really great stuff. So, um, yeah, just looking at the Bastok timeline, let's talk about the age of of beasts. Um, now, this is interesting. The, there's the the earliest evidence of a human settlement uh, was actually in the Dangriff Wadi, um, and and so uh, that's that's estimated through various documents and uh, and and artifacts. Elmer, what does BCE stand for? Do you know? BCE. Yeah, it says that uh, uh, what 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 uh, Anira is talking about right here about the earliest evidence of the human village in Dangriff Wadi uh, was around approximately three thousand BCE, before the Crystal Era. Yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, I think that's before the 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 supernova in the sky. I think that's part of the Windhurst timeline. Okay, that so so the let's advent of the goddess. So that, let's assume that it stands for Crystal Era then. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. And and again, we'll we'll go we'll be going through uh, uh, you know some of the uh, some of the the sand uh, Sandorian Winders history here in a little bit. Um, but uh, but uh, you know around uh, approximately 220 CE, uh, the the Galka began to uh, migrate to their new home new home uh, Gustaberg. And now I would uh, I would imagine. That this is uh, around the time that the uh, the Antkins ended up taking over uh, 
the uh, the Galco's original homeland out in mm. El Tapa Desert. Kazotes, yeah. Because uh, the Antikins were smarter than the Galcas, they just didn't know that. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> go do go do the Bastard quest line in the past, please. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it's a Galca that tells it, so I think there's a little bit of bias there. I think we need to go from a neutral standpoint. Zed is neutral. Zed is Wait, dumb. so yeah, you didn't like that comment about. No, I didn't because Antikins are smart. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! All right, hang hang on, hang on. Let's let's give, let's give some exposition. What was the comment? What right, exactly right, was right. the comment? The comment this, this was, was this was a, this was a comment that was made uh, while while we were uh, while we were discussing the programming of this uh-huh. uh, this episode. Yeah, the, uh, the comment was that one of the reasons that the Gulka lost the war to the Antikins was because the the Gulka underestimated their intelligence. They figured that since they can't actually speak, they must be stupid, and so they underestimated them. And that's why they lost. The, the, Velux response? <laughs> no, because the the quote that Zed made when he was talking about that was that they did underestimate them, but he made no comments to intelligence when he was talking about that. The comments about intelligence weren't made until you do the Bastok quest line in the past, which is when he said that they aren't intelligent and they're basically just, you know, pure emotion, you know, rage, happiness, everything like that. So it's not that we the Galkas underestimated them because of their intelligence. We didn't realize their massive numbers and their reproduction capabilities where Galkas can't really reproduce and constantly make new Galkas like an insect could, and we lost by sheer numbers alone. All right, well, uh, my response to that is um, eating away at the ground so that your entire civilization falls below the sands? Pretty smart to me, I'd say. <laughs> well, that's not what happened, though. Pretty good tactics, I think. Because the, I think it, cities, it, the cities of Kazotes were still intact when the Galkas were retreating. It, wasn't, it was actually the, the cause of time that caused the sand to override most of the city. Antikins are greater than Gulkas. <laughs> but it wasn't the... The, it's not that it's the sole reason. It's one of the contributing factors to them being overwhelmed is that they saw, you know, they underestimated their intelligence due to the fact that they couldn't, you know, communicate properly as far as the Galkas thought because of the way of speaking with that thing in their throat. I forget what it's called. Ziphos or something? I, uh, I, I, something I... like that. Yeah, that's um, their language, I believe. Yeah, so it's well, one of the factors, but not like the only factor. Maybe, but I, I honestly, from just what I've seen and what I've read, it's it's mainly a numbers issue. So it's... I mean, you can you can think the Antikin are as smart as you want, but when there's four billion of them and like a couple thousand hey, of you, you're you know going that to you know what? Tell that to the Spartans. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, they lost. <laughs> yeah, they did. Well, they did a pretty good job of holding them off. And so did the Galka. Yeah, the Galka are at least still alive. We made it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, slaves. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, but you know what? There's there's not a whole lot of history, or, or at least there's not a whole lot of recorded history from the Age of Beasts. Now, uh, Elmer, do you have do you have any uh, idea why like there's you know there's so little uh, uh, history available history from the uh, the Age of Beasts? I mean, I you know, it's it seems like stuff that that could be, you know, like where where did it? I mean, initially, where did this come from? Is this all just from that one book? Is that it? Oh, yeah. Really? Every page that I sent you is is literally uh, from, from that book. Basically, wow. they have. Um, actually, you know, you were mentioning people, you know, get involved and all that, and and again, you know, get more history research going. 
I should put up all the scans because I've scanned like almost half this entire book. I, I mean, like everything I posted about a PDF version or something. Hmm? Like a PDF or something that we could just kind of yeah, through the, put up yeah. a bunch of PDFs. People could see the whole pages because there's other people out there now uh, translating and stuff. Yeah, um, I'm sure they would love to see this kind of thing, and maybe then people could better update uh, the wikis. Yeah, because uh, I mean, it, you you would think I mean there are a lot of stories that are told. Uh, so uh, you know, who knows? It, it may be out there. Uh, for all I know, I, I I I'm not sure where it's been you know chronicled or anything, but uh, but for all we know, it could be out there. Well, a lot of stuff is just hidden within the game story. Yeah, you can find a lot of tidbits as you go. But you know, just looking at the pages now, there's the timeline of the three nations, and yeah, the Age of Beasts. For example, Sandoria has one entry for the Age of Beasts, and and let's see, Bastok has two. Yeah. And Winter. Winterhurst might have the most because, yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six entries. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. All right, well, uh, so, uh, so all right, back, back on to the Bastok timeline. Uh, here's some, uh, y- you know, we're, we'll move here into the, uh, into the Age of, uh, of Power, um, which, uh, let's see, uh, the, that's uh, the, the the recorded at least uh, for Bastok here. The recorded history uh, for the Age of Power begins at around uh, four eighteen. Uh, um, just to give people uh, a little bit of a idea of how timeline works, the the current age, as in the present, is the Age of the Adventurers, eight eighty four. Okay, so this is about four hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, so gold is discovered in the Guzgin mines. Da da. Interesting. All right. Cool. Um, I mean, there's there's plenty of history you by get. a Gulkin miner. Uh, honestly, there's there's so much history here that, that we're definitely not going to be able to uh, to to cover it all. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to talk about was the the victory of Bastok Valley. Uh, this seems uh, seems pretty interesting. There was a. It seems that uh, Bastok was at one time uh, directly involved with con- involved in conflict with Sandoria. They invaded them. Yes. And uh, and and Elmer, do you uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the uh, the the uh, victory at Bastok Valley? Okay. Um, so what's it? March in the year four eighty seven. So this was when uh, mayor, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Yeah. First. Uh, yeah. So I think so the Elven were invading, taking advantage of the mire, uh, the miners, and then this is sort of where Mayor proved himself a bit to the people mm-hmm. and fought back. Long time ago, but. I mean, it was sort of, this is what led up to, like, sort of a disbanded group of miners and, you know, workers and even some thieves coming together for, you know, a common cause mm-hmm. and eventually culminating in the establishment of the Bastok Republic, mm-hmm. which happened about... 494. Yeah, 70 years down the road. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and uh, it, it uh, more specifically too, it says that uh, what happened was uh, you Wait, know, not the, seventy <laughs> ten years. The, uh, the mayor lived like one hundred and forty-eight. Yeah, the, <laughs> the miners of Bastocks were constructing fortifications for the free laborers in the valleys of Bastock, uh, and that's when the Sandarian royal knights had raided them. And um, to combat that, the miners had drew them into like a cave behind a waterfall, then sealed them in. 
so you know when they were trapped down in that in that little cave waterfall they basically shot down crossbows annihilating all of them like killing killing half of them taking the other half prisoners and it says among the bestoken forces only 47 people were injured or killed so bestock laid the laid waste he, to yeah. uh to they put the smack down on sandeoria yeah. yeah but that's uh, sort of a reoccurring theme between yeah uh, bastock and sandeoria's uh conflicts especially there's that big thing about the second battle of Konstat in the but back it was reversed as well. then. yeah and, and it was right. actually this uh this victory that basically um influenced uh the you know influenced the founding of the republic of bastock yeah yeah and their technology basically keeps overwhelming the enemy even though their sort of training is better and their numbers are great or more organized but Bastok keeps coming back with the technology to sort of overthrow the oppression that they face from the Elvon. Yeah. Yeah. Um so here's some here's some just kind of like interesting factoids, right? Um so uh uh the the sheep that uh that you can uh find wandering around in Valkyrum dunes were imported from the Tavnasian archipelago. And Ooh. yeah, and there's the, I mean there's something interesting that had to be done at a time. Of course, this the all of this uh you know being done before uh you know before Sid and the invention of the airship. So you got to think that uh you know those sheep were herded all the way from uh from the Tavnasian archipelago all the way to uh Valkyrum dunes over and, the water. And you know what that's <laughs> but and hey, that was a dangerous trek back in the day. Way, way back before in the day. teleports. That's true. <laughs> or the sheep hadn't been to the crags yet, so I guess they just couldn't teleport yeah. them. Um, after uh, after the de- Department of Commerce was established, uh, currency to be used among Hume and Galka were developed, and they were called bine, uh, which is of course where we get uh, the uh, ancient currency bine bills um, from uh, from Dynamis, and now actually from uh, from Campaign as well. Uh, drop, I think. I think all ancient currency is dropping out of that now. Um, so, uh, so you know, just just some interesting stuff there. Um, now, Elmer uh, Juno was was established by Bastok, or or it was founded by Bastok, wasn't it? It was uh, what started as a small fishing town and used as sort of a trading hub, and you know, Bastok being the most advanced, sort of had the a good hand in establishing that but then as we know it eventually grew on its own to become its own city mm-hmm. because it's sort of you know even though they started it it was between the three big cities and they all used it to sort of you know um combine their resources trade work together kind of the hub of the two continents yeah and uh and of course the uh juno uh became uh became an independent nation uh, after the appearance of uh, of the Archduke, and uh, of course, you know we know kind of know what happens there uh, with the uh, with the Archduke. Um, now, now, correct me if I'm wrong. That is the same Archduke that uh, we end up encountering later, uh, is it not? Or was that a was that a completely different person? It's. Uh, the same because he's uh, yeah. well. Can we get into spoilers? Spoilers! Spoilers! spoilers. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah, I think I think if you're not rank five, because <laughs> yeah. he's he's a, a zillert, so yeah, um, he can live all that time. And I'm pretty sure this is, this isn't in the book, but in the game, uh, doesn't Matt the the uh, the guy who does your limit break quest? He reveals that he found them 
you know, adrift and mm-hmm. save their lives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, sort of, that's how they came to Juno and then rose up into power. It's sort yeah, of interesting that. that he sparked it like that. Yep, yep. So, uh, so that's basically uh, how uh, how Juno uh, came to become uh, uh, an independent nation. Now, uh, here's something really interesting, and we've learned a little bit more about this since uh, the release of Wings of the Goddess. But, uh, but Elmer, tell me a little bit about uh, the Bestoken Blight. That's in the age of technology we're in now, right? Yeah, yeah. It looks okay, like. I just like to point out. I love that the age of technology. The first thing it has listed here is that the lighthouse is constructed. That's right. <laughs> Bastok is so inventive that at the peak of their technological age, they figure out how to make a giant light bulb. Yep. But you've been to the you've been to the lighthouse out in uh, Gustaberg, haven't you? Yeah. 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 Grats. That's what they're talking. It's under siege from <laughs> deadly crabs now. <laughs> Bubbly Bernie. <laughs> no. Oh man, but uh, but yeah. Um, the, what is what is what or what was the Bestoken Blight? Well, this was kind of interesting because this is something that I don't think Ad uh, Ergen was out yet. So, you know, it talked about there was a traveler who came and basically he he came in, he went to the inn, he had something to eat, and just died immediately, and people were like, you know, what happened to this guy? And it turned out he had some strange blotches, I guess. Mm-hmm. And basically it's just this mysterious traveler sparked an entire plague across Bastok. And it was neat to see this in the book like this. Um, there's actually a bit of exposition on it too. And then when Ad Ergen came out, they tied back into it saying apparently the guy had been bitten by it Chigo, Chigoe. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, and those little bastards. <laughs> that's what sparked it. Yeah, and there's some guys saying in the chat room now that he was a blue mage. Or is that uh-huh. some silver striker? Have you led me astray? Yeah, he may have. That may, <laughs> that may, that may have been uh, speculation there. Um, okay. Well, but apparently he was from, <laughs> he was from that region. Um, he was bit by Chigoe, but then and they also called upon uh, alchemists from at Ergon, which in the text they just refer to calling in uh, priests and mages and, and alchemists to try and solve the problem. From overseas, the, yeah. Yeah, and then in the game they explain that they're actually from at Ergon. So yeah, it's pretty neat that they, they laid all this foundation and then tied back into it. I wonder how much... Like they planned from the beginning, or how much they sort of just left open ended to come back to. Yeah, I mean, you got to think that at least. I mean, I, I feel, I, I feel at least that they've had uh, up through Wings of the Goddess planned uh, for a while. Um, it seems like, uh, at least from a story perspective, that they've had uh, a lot of this, uh, a lot of this planned out. But, uh, but you're right. I mean, that is that is a really kind of cool connection. Um, that they uh, that they put in there. Um, so uh, so at around uh, sixteen or uh, seven sixteen, uh, cure for the plague was developed, um, mm-hmm. and by seven twenty the plague is almost completely wiped out. Um, so, um, but they do. There are references for those that have done some of the Bastok, uh, uh the Bastok quests in the past. There are some references to the Bestoken blight. 
um, that it seems to be uh, uh, still fresh in people's mind uh, as uh, uh, you know, still as of the uh, the, the Crystal War, um, and and being that it ends in uh, seven twenty, and uh, you said our current uh, our current calendar is in eight eighty something, right? Eight eighty four. Yeah. So like a hundred and sixty years ago. Okay. So I mean, still, you know, I mean, you know, stuff from a hundred and sixty years ago is still part of our. Uh, you know, our, our relevant history. Um, but they yeah. do, you know, they do make uh, uh, reference to it. And, um, you know, the uh, the uh, the fear of a repeat of a similar incident uh, definitely exists in some of these cutscenes. But uh, but definitely, uh, definitely in an interesting uh, an, in- an interesting little note. And uh, I mean, that seems that seems to be a, a major uh, a major uh, part uh, of the history of Bastok. Um so a lot of a lot of historical references uh, to the to that era. Um, here's here's something a little bit interesting. I didn't know this, uh, but Bastak used to have uh, used to have an Altepa based calendar, uh, which was phased out after uh, President Aaron's uh, adopted the uh, Winders Crystal Era calendar. Fascinating. I <laughs> I had no idea that there was even. Such thing as a crystal era calendar. You want to know how the how the Altepa calendar worked and why it was so annoying? Oh boy! No, 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 no! For real, for real, guys. All right. Basically, what you Here had we go. you had this big big contraption that was basically filled with twelve different hourglasses, huge hourglasses, so that when you tipped one up, it took a month for the sand to fall through. Yeah, and that's why it was so annoying because you just had all this sand, and if it if one of them broke, do you have any idea how much sand it takes to put into one of those things to reset it? It takes like five Golkas to lift. So finally, that guy was just like, "You know what? Screw this. We're coming up with a different calendar. Uh, Forget this sand crap." Apparently, that happened in uh, six fifty eight. Yep. So the Crystal Era calendar was written oh, so in blood. Age of <laughs> Stop it! I'm gonna hit you. Nuh-uh. Uh, but uh, but yes, that uh, you are correct, uh, Elmer. That would uh, I was correct about no, the Elmer, Elmer. about the sand thing. No, <laughs> no. Oh yeah, they adopted the crystal air count from Windhurst, who developed that. Yep, they're the big astronomy experts or astrology experts, whichever. <laughs> here's a, here's something cool. I just noticed this in uh, in six seventy nine. <laughs> construction begins on the windmills in Constant Highlands. Hmm. And the discovery of Stray Mary. <laughs> what was that, Felix? I missed that. They finally <laughs> solved the Don Quixote problem. <laughs> and they could put the windmills up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's see. What else What else we got here for uh, for Bastock? Elmer, is there is there anything that uh, that uh, that you are particularly liked about uh, Bastock's history that you'd like to be mentioned? Uh, Bastock's history? Let's see. Well... Uh, people might like to know, 833, Sid is born. Ah, yes, Sid. So how old is he then? 884, so he's 51 years old? That sounds about right. That sucks that he lost all his teeth at 51. <laughs> Owned. <laughs> <laughs> Big old wooden chomper. <laughs> oh, man. He got into a bar fight when he was 20 and lost all of them in a single punch. <laughs> Ah, oh, jeez. 
Dude, I've been yeah. I've been looking over the Winders stuff. I'm doing Winders next because Win Winders has a whole bunch of kick-ass things in it. Winders has some pretty cool, you know, history hey. to it. You want to move to Winhurst? Um, actually, uh, make sure make sure you're finished up with the stock. Yeah, first. one of one oh, of the things actually, I just noticed this. One of the things that's kind of cool. Um, Heaven's Bridge, uh, which uh, that's the uh, uh, the uh, the the bridge that connects uh, the the shores of the Straits of Juno uh, uh, via the stone bridges. Um, basically, the large bridges in Juno that most of the city is. Uh, uh, not most of the, the city. Zone parts, mines. Yeah, parts of the city. The city are are built on top of, um, where you have you know the auction house and the the churches and stuff like that. So, um, but uh, in in February, uh, in February, wow, they have they have months like us. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's why Water's Day of February. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> in uh, in in February of the year uh, eight thirty five, uh, Bastock decided to undertake a large scale project to connect the various shores of the uh, Straits of Juno via stone bridges. Um, the The project was designed to be similar to the uh, uh, Kulats Bridge in Bastock Mine or uh, in Bastock Markets. And uh, many Gulkin masons were hired for the construction. Read uh, Gulkin slaves. Uh, the the plans were meticulous and uh, uh, dictated that the bridges be made from scratch rather than built upon the existing remains of old bridges. But uh, but apparently uh, previously Winders Monastery had made uh, a wooden bridge uh, connecting to uh, Madarsha only. Uh, but strong winds had since caused it to collapse. Um, so and the weight of all the other races. <laughs> um, so uh, the project was dubbed uh, Heaven's Bridge, and after its completion and uh, the subsequent appearance of the Archduke, uh, Juno continued to adapt and change in becoming a bustling metropolis we know today. <laughs> well, really, like the formerly bustling. We used to know. Yeah, right. I'm uh, going ruined all of that. <laughs> Uh, so, um, that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, the, uh, I've always, I've always wondered about, uh, you know, the, the, the bridge, uh, between the, uh, Quantum Adarsha continents. So, uh, I, I definitely didn't know that, uh, Windurst was responsible for making the, uh, first bridge mm -hmm. to, uh, to Windurst. So, all right, cool. Um, yeah. Why don't you, we, you, you better start reading up on Sandy cause you're doing Sandy next. <laughs> <laughs> Fair you, enough. You're on your own pronouncing all the names. <laughs> Someone in the chat room said it was okay if we just skip Sandy. So <laughs> I say I'm over. Right. There was that. there was some orcs. Some things exploded. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Nothing happened. It was Amnesia got pretty pissed off, and now we're here. <laughs> Nothing important happened. Sandy lost a bet to Tavnasius. They just blew him up. <laughs> yeah, that was easier. <laughs> Why well, pay him off when you know? Oh, jeez. All right, so uh, Winder's history. Uh, all right, so all right. yeah, yeah Winder's yeah, history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, starting so with apparently, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's okay. go back to the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, starting with the Age of the Beasts. <laughs> uh, the first thing we have done here, which uh, you know we we sort of someone sort of briefly mentioned earlier, but uh, basically what sparked uh, the Crystal Era, uh, CE, was uh, without warning, the star of Gordius goes supernova, lighting up the night sky for an entire year. And uh, they call this the Crystal Area because the people of Vanadia believe this to be the advent of their goddess. Uh, approximately 200 years later, the Taru Taru began immigrating to the continent of Kuan. And it was about 17 laters, years later that they built the first village around some ancient ruins that we now know as Windurst. And two years after that, 
magic is discovered by Rimi Lala, a young Tarutaru girl who ends up becoming the first star Sybil, who apparently suppresses the wild beast. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the suppression of the wild beast, uh, Elmer? I think there's a picture depicting her uh, sort of floating up towards Fenrir. So I guess... Yeah. Um, yeah, it says here that, uh, that you know she calmed the great beast that was raging across their promised land uh, and subdued it into Full Moon Fountain. Um, which we would know to be Fenrir. Right, and then uh, in 253 it says that Rami Lala uh, ascends to heaven. And, uh, so the, she dies. Yeah, okay. ascend teleport. And then uh, in the Age of Magic, which is 289, <laughs> uh, the next star sibyl, uh, Tabi Roro, uh, then summoned the various Tarotaro chieftains and instructed them in the ways of magic. And uh, five years later, we have the founding of the Federation of Windurst. So uh, you had mentioned that uh, the uh, Windurst was established uh, as a village uh, built around ancient ruins. Right. Um, now, those ancient ruins, of course, we know as the uh, Horatoto ruins, right? Yep, correct. Uh, all right. All right. Um, and actually, those ruins, now, what civilization could those possibly come from? Uh, Elmer? The no, ruins, weren't they the, the, the Kuru? Were they were they ruins of the Kulu? Yes, they were. Okay, yes. I, I, that part I did not know. In, yeah. Indeed, it's like in Bosodine. Yes, and in fact, yeah. If you uh, if you go into the Horatoto ruins and the uh, ruins out in uh, uh, Bosodine, oh geez, what are those called? Soja? Is that Soja? Yes. Yeah. Yep. All right. Wow. I can't believe I remembered that one yeah. correctly. Um, so yeah, if you go into Soja, you, you'll notice that a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, architecture is very similar. Same with the uh, uh, Temple of uh, Ugalepe, um, and uh, and and those were those were all residencies for mm-hmm. uh, the Kulu, weren't they? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, he, you know, obviously the uh, the Federation of Winters, as we said, was founded in two ninety four. So uh, from 294 between um, about, you know, we'll say we'll go to like 350. So within these 50 years, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff happened. Nothing that was like super big, long explanation. But, you know, let's off a couple of, uh, uh, of short things here. Like uh, uh, this is around the time that the uh, Parliament of Patriarchs uh, was established or they established the Mumu as the Federation's currency. That's the, uh, the ancient currency there. Um, the current star symbol also ordered the construction of Heaven's Towers for astrological research, um, which, of course, uh, because of this research, they were able to determine the date from which the, Gord- the Gordias appeared in the sky. And based on their findings here, that's how they established uh, the Crystal Era and, of course, made the Crystal Era calendar. The first Yagudo War, and as I was reading, there's, been, there's actually been seven Yagudo Wars. Seven? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. They had another one. Ag- aggressive little bastards. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so the uh, the first one um, was in 337, where the war warlocks invaded the native Yagudo city of Astroja, forcing them to surrender. Um, not really sure why, apparently... And, and this is actually going to be a reoccurring theme with Winders. Uh, the little Tarotaros just decided, you know what, we're going to go kick some ass. <laughs> I, 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 I kid you not. I kid you not, okay? Um... Uh, 342, a couple years after that first Yagudo War, they uh, crossed the Straits of Juno to capture Norvalin. Yeah, they're just like, hey guys, let's go over there and capture that land. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that they are, yeah, they were successful. The Parliament of Patriarchs declares Norvalin part of the Federation. And of course, from the current residents, they employed young Elvon to serve as mercenaries. Elven slaves. Yeah, Elvons were slaves too. 
358, the Second Yagudo War, the War Warlock Siege Castle Troja over two years, but uh, the Yagudo do manage to hold them back. Um, and it's actually in 360, and this is how, this is how uh, because you have to remember, Heaven's Tower was just a tower at first, but in 360, a tree that had been growing beneath Heaven's Tower experiences a sudden growth spurt, bursting through per- parts of the tower, and that's how that great tree comes around it. And uh, the current star symbol at the time names that tree the Heaven's Tower, the Great Star Tree, and orders its protection. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um. So, so some interesting things to uh, to to note here. Where? where let's see. How how far along? We're are we we're at three sixty nine right now, which is where some some major badassery is about to come in. Okay. Well, uh, you know, something that I really uh, I want to mention here that uh, uh, the Elvon and the Taru Taru were were not very friendly at all. Oh no. Um. And uh. And they had uh, a history of conflicts for many many years. And uh. But th- but they had at one point. Um, much like they have with the Yugudo uh, for for some time, uh, they've uh, established uh, peace treaties or pacts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they uh, established a uh, a pact with Sandoria, but Sandoria had violated that pact by uh, establishing a uh, establishing a fort in Saruman's Champagne. Um, and then again, it wasn't uh, much. It wasn't until years years later uh, during the Crystal War when they truly allied together mm-hmm. for the first time. Yeah, so. and actually, uh, you'll notice. Notice that a lot through uh, both, you know, all of these uh, the three histories of all nations. But when we get into Sandoria earlier, something that surprised me was there was actually a point where I think the Sandorian Elvans actually allied with the Quadovs, yeah, to combat uh, uh, the, the, stock. the stock, yeah. But that yeah, is true. Um, in in three sixty nine, Mastercaster Lungo Nango, who you know the one hundred piece <laughs> is named after, was selected as chief of the Norvalin territory. And uh, he then went on to propose the necessity of controlling the Elvon to the parliament. So he received their uh, consent to form an army for their subjugation. They marched on in to invade Ronfair, and they, and they overthrow the Sandorian clan of Elvons. Wow. After that, they invaded Zoltheim, <laughs> defeating the combined forces of the Elvon, including remnants from Sandoria. And at that point, they decided in 372 that Longo Nungo was to be designated the Warlock Warlord... A year later, he which de- establishes that yep. long-standing tradition. Uh-huh. And a year later, he decides to invade Gustaberg. <laughs> <laughs> Here, we this is this is the Napoleon no, no. of uh, of Final Fantasy no, in he- height and uh- <laughs> <laughs> zing, Velux. There you go. Um, but actually, you know, something I want to mention, and and uh, you know, I totally forget about this uh, a lot of the times when I'm thinking back to FanFest, mm-hmm. uh, 2008. Uh, or no, 2007 FanFest. The very, very, very opening presentation there was a comprehensive history of, you know, just... Just before the, the probably about a hundred years prior to the uh, the Crystal War, um, the uh, the relations between each of the three nations, and y- you know you're you're saying that at at one point the uh, the Tarotaro came and uh, conquered Gustaberg <laughs> like and, everything. Yeah, yeah, there was there was a point where the entire map was pretty much green. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know that's that's you know uh, Square Enix. I know you're listening. I know you do listen sometimes. I would love to have that presentation available online somewhere. There was a lot of work that was put into that presentation, and it was a great presentation. And I've I I I, I should look on YouTube to see if somebody 
you know, thought about recording that, but it was a wonderful presentation that I'd love to see again. Um, so I'd like to. I mean, it's been two years. Come uh-huh. on, it's not really a fan fest exclusive. Um, no I'd more. like to point out if you look here from the time that uh, Lungo Nungo was uh, made chief of the Norvland territory, and at the, the time that he proposed the first sort of, you know, hey, let's go start controlling everybody and dominate everyone was 369. Uh, 374 was uh, oh no 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 373 was when his intercontinental conquest was complete so it took him four years <laughs> in four years he conquered the world of Vanadiel as we know it incredible yeah little tower tower he was a beast master no doubt uh, uh, no less so yeah yeah keep lolling beast yep um, but uh, uh, eventually eventually. <laughs> He uh, he was summoned back to the capital, and as he returned to his home, you know, a grand celebration was held in honor of his conquested uh, 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 regions. And then he was assassinated by um, a uh, by a puppet master. Uh, he? he was he was actually uh, assassinated <laughs> because uh, he he appeared for a hearing before the Parliament of Patriarchs, and he was uh, removed from his position as warlock warlord. Um, and while under house arrest in Mahara, it says that he dies suddenly of a fever, of course, thought to be an assassination. Um, uh, there, 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 there's nothing else on this, but uh, Elmer, do you know if there's anything else on his possible assassination, or if that's uh, as far as it went? I think this is something that's actually explained more in the game, like because they don't really say why he was removed, and then who poisoned him. But I think they explain it in the game in one of the quests that somebody had poisoned him. I'm not sure, but it's not in the book. <laughs> huh. Um, and just as a as a side note, uh, how I was saying a minute ago that the uh, the the 2007 fan fest uh, info uh, wasn't available, Fusion X correcting me, uh, saying that uh, that uh, it was made uh, it was made available uh, online in Japanese uh, officially through Square Enix. Um, uh, it was I, I think it was the entire history presentation. If if uh, uh, if what I'm getting from Fusion is correct, so uh, I, I again I'd l- I'd love to go back and look at that. It, it, it would be l- worth looking up and digging up at least mm-hmm, for the images. Right. Yep. Uh, if for nothing else for the images because those were a really good visual aid uh, when when uh, trying to figure out the uh, you know the tides of who was winning what at what point. So. Yeah. Well, uh, let's just say that uh, upon Lungo Nungo being assassinated, uh, at that point, that's when Windurst's badassery sort of ends because the uh, the next warlock warlord, uh, Atogi uh, Nokutogi, uh, was the next one that was named, and he took the Elven Subjugation Force, who you know under his command, uh, and they headed out for battle, where they met with the allied forces of the Elvon and Quadov, and they were crushed, and the warlock warlord was killed in battle. So Ouch. yeah, exactly. And then it took them uh, eleven years. They they then sent the parliament member uh, Samariri to El Shimo Island as an act of peace. And I think we we mentioned early that uh, she was the Taru Taru who actually created the pirogos. And uh, there's actually a pirogo NM named, named Samariri. Named so yeah. I wonder if it's named after her, or if maybe there was some type of like you know Probably. weird accident or experiment oh, that turned her into maybe yeah maybe that's that's mm-hmm. very possible. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Elven end up invading back into Norvland in 399, uh, and the current warlock warlord at the time. Uh, Dakaru Jinkaru and his six units of warlock warlords they defended Fort Jabagogo, but eventually it fell. 
And uh, of course, I'm sure at that point, Lungo Nungo is laughing, you know, in his grave. Fair enough. That's what they get for overthrowing him. And uh, it's about this time that we enter into the Age of Power. And uh, the first thing that happens in 401 is the elven mercenary groups are disbanded. And I'm pretty sure that probably has something to do with the fact that, you know, the Taro Taro's got beat back twice yeah. in, the, uh, in the preceding years. Yep. Um, uh, so, of course, shortly after that, they sign a non-aggression pact with Sandeoria. And in addition, this is actually the time, 413, that Tavnasia is founded as an independent state. Uh, one year later, because of cultural exchanges with Stan Deoria, <laughs> chocobo writing is discovered. Oh. It's at this point they, they decide, hey, I think that we can ride those birds. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what went through their head. Um, but secretly, oh, oh, and this is what you were talking about earlier here, but in 420, Stan Deoria violates the non-aggression pact and invades the continent of Mindarsha, setting up that fort. And uh, the Warlock Warlords activate a plan to destroy Sandoria's capital called Operation Bogey's Present. Now, uh, it's at this point right here that uh, I think the Yagudos start actually coming more into focus because uh, Le Habro appears, claiming to be the manifestation of a god, and quickly gains a devout following. And this is, of course, uh, where the Yagudo Theo military um, essentially comes from. Uh, they, he organizes the devout Yagudo into a theocracy. Um, in 487, the Federation Library is officially titled as the Apostery. Um, this, is, this is what you guys were kind of talking about earlier, the Manistery. Yeah. There's different, uh, what are they called, around? The, Section? I don't know. No, I forget what they're called. But uh, the minist- uh, Ministries of uh, Winters, yeah, basically. Mi- yeah, Ministries. Yeah, yeah Ministries of Winters. There, there we go. go. But uh, in five, in 493 is when the Yagudo Theo military is officially established and seven years later, an army of Yagudo, led by Lehabro, invades Saruta Baruta. And um, this is actually cool right here. Uh, but uh, Kansu Oransu, the head of the Haruzaru clan, defeats Lei with Flair, a unique, a unique black mage spell of his own design. So it was actually in the year 500 that... Ancient uh, magic that was first discovered. Ancient, ma- ancient magic was first discovered, and that was the third Yagudo war. You know, I... I I really think they should rename these. They're not really Yagudo Wars. They're more like Yagudo's Humiliating Defeats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and it's in 434 that the fourth Yagudo War comes. And now this this is a little bit a little bit bigger. There's actually a pretty pretty good chunk on this. Do you want to... Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the fourth uh, Yagudo War, Elmer? All right. So, well, let's see. According oh, yeah, to the this page... this really cool. That, um, so, yeah, they, they had a... I want to see... Since I mentioned I did these so long ago, I have it says the hypno mage Garaz Borez used powerful mind control techniques. I'm wondering what it originally said. <laughs> hypno mage, <laughs> that's awesome. I wish there was a hypno mage. That would be so cool. <laughs> well, let's see. The original is uh, Uzuno Madoshi, which is like spiral magician. I guess that's why I thought hypnomage because they use that auto spiral to hypnotize people. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> spiral magician. I, 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 I mean, yeah, hypnomage. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, hearing hearing AF would look awesome. <laughs> 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 They'd have the big glasses with the little spirals on them. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I like I like that concept though. Hypnomage. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, but uh, uh, definitely what I like about the, the fourth war the best is, you know, uh, uh, as, as Elmer said, this, uh, uh, the new leader of the Yagudo Theo military basically found a way to bring down the magical barriers that helped to defend Winders and started invading. 
and um, a combat caster, uh, a fodic combat caster, Giruba or Giribu Oguribu, and his sister, the silent mage uh, Madada, <laughs> two little Tarotaros who are actually still only students. The two of them together brought down the entire Theo military by managing to project a false image of the manifest and throw the entire Theo military into chaos and thus uh, thwarting Graz's plans and uh, repelled the overwhelming force of the Yagudo. Huh. So that, that's one wow. thing that I, that I like about Windus is, you know, when you look at, like, you know, uh, Bastok and Sandaria, it seems like all their major battles were, like, really battles, like, you know, armies against armies. But all the Yagudos had, like, you know, heroes that, like, single-handedly defeated all of them, you know? Yeah. That's why Lungo Nungo, you know, dominated the world. Because <laughs> apparently these guys are little powerhouses, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, but actually, yeah, and here's another cool one. In fi- in uh, five sixty three, uh, that same silent mage Madada invented the link shell. Really? Yeah. Yep. Uh, though not as powerful as today's model. So yeah, I thought that that was pretty cool. Interesting. Um, and of course, uh, the Elvons being uh, a little, you know, what word do I want to use to call them? Help me think of an insult for them. For Elvon? Yeah, a little. Isn't Elvon enough? <laughs> <laughs> well, more specifically, Sandorian oh. Elvons, without warning, crossed the Strait of Juno and attacked a Federation fort, but of course they were ultimately repelled by the warlocks. One thing that, why would a silent mage need the ability to not be able to talk to people at a distance? Huh? Well, but because she couldn't talk, that's why she made the link shell. Now she can just type to them. <laughs> or something. I don't know, it seems weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, of course, the next uh, nice big thing, uh, in 642, a Yagudo suicide squad infiltrated the capital using secret Eastern techniques, and they managed to invade the Parliament's conference hall and destroy it. That's the fifth Yagudo war, and I guess that's the... Victory! They're really their... Kind of? <laughs> I mean, they all died. I wonder if there was any was Parliament the even in there. They just destroyed the building. <laughs> Parliament was coming back from lunch. Like, oh, those, 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 those Yagudo. Um, and uh, the reason... Oh, here's another thing, cool one for, you know, this is more probably... Actual Windurstians will appreciate this more, but uh, in 676, the Black Mage Toramurai investigated the large canal seal underneath the capital, and of course that is how they got their name, or the names of the canals underneath there. Uh, next we come to the Age of Technology, and this is, they don't really do much. Um, well, they're not very technological. There's a great I mean, festival of magic, you know, yeah, and to control yeah. costs, the Cloth Crafting Guild is formed. <laughs> so, so that's cool. Uh, and of course that helps for, that, you know, gives us, to commemorate the 500th anniversary of the Discovery of Magic, they have a grand festival. Um, there's all kinds of stuff, you know, from the festival. Stuff like uh, black mages transforming chairs into chocobos. White mages creating a sun in the night sky. That's holy, I guess. I don't know. Uh, in 740, there was the Sixth Yagudo War, but it doesn't, doesn't tell much about them. Um, 755, the Fisherman's Guild was established. There's another thing. A lot of uh, uh, Windurst, it, apparently because of Windurst, a lot of the guilds were formed. There's another one later about uh, the Bone Crafting Guild was formed uh, in there sometime. So they no, were just no. bored, decided to level up their crafting for the yeah. entire age of technology. Uh-huh, yeah, <laughs> guess so. Yeah, they they had their highlights during the age of magic, and now yep. it's like the age of technology. Oh, they retired. Well, let's I go, don't know. Let's go uh, fishing. There's yeah. some there's some good uh, <laughs> the formation of the Mithra Marines. Yeah, in, uh, uh, 769. Elmer, why don't you tell us about the uh, the formation of the the Mithra Marines? Oh, so they were. I mean, this was before they had such amicable relations with the Mithra, but there are a lot of Mithran pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, out in the seas, and 
So the Parliament of Patriarchs initiated a plan to actually recruit some of these Mithra who had been causing so much trouble to fight against the pirates. Um, and that's how they formed the Mithra Marines. And it sort of, it sounds like kind of kind of like some stuff happening with America in the Middle East in the modern day that they are paying basically Mithran pirates not to attack the Federation ships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it says they gave them a salary and con- and permission to come and conduct business and stuff. That's yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah, this is basically the uh, this is about where a lot of the Mithra finally start coming into the into the picture there. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, like it says, uh, this is about the time when Mithra started to visit from the south, teaching the ways of the Beastmaster. In fact, in 839, uh, the Beastmaster Ta Palancha domesticates the Dommel. Oh, that's where you get the the Dommels, uh hanging out. Yeah, in, uh, yeah. In, in the little Dommel farm. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I, you know, I just kind of a, a side tangent. I had heard that that was actually supposed to be a little bit more fleshed out. Like there was supposed to be some kind of zoo that existed down in that area. Oh, but that cool. Then they ended up Dommel rides. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that the, uh, the developers ended up cutting that uh, uh, for the final product. But that's why you get those Dommels, uh roaming around in that uh, oh, or that in that really little cool. area back there. So yeah. Um, Elmer, did you ever hear anything about that? Like, you know, I hear that. I know that you hear, you know, uh, odd uh, odds and ends as far as development notes here and there. But I just I had wondered if that was something that you had ever heard. I don't. I don't. I didn't hear about it. No. Uh, okay. Windhurst Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been cool, though. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm, I could be making things. Um, and and we're, we're starting to get a little bit closer now to sort of like you know uh, modern times and of course stuff that's covered uh, by. In, like, Winder's missions and whatnot, but uh, 856 is when Karuha Bruha began his research on summoning magic, and uh, the Cardians were invented in 861. Again, yeah, that, that's yep. definitely and, getting part of... And then a couple years covered. later, the Crystal War erupts. So that's that's more or less the uh, the history of Winder's in a nutshell. Yeah. All right. Actually, one thing about the Cardians, um, there are two interesting things when doing this portion. One was that he used... It said... Prohibited magic like levitate was used to make a one-legged model or a model that could float around instead of needing legs or wheels. Oh wow! And it, you know, made me wonder: Would we ever get levitate in the game for whatever reason? Oh, um, that would be then, cool. It would be. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's an there's another part. Um, his prototypes that were sort of strange and weird. You know, not you know very odd. And uh, he brought them to the final stages of the Great War in Zarkabard, as it says, Zonpazipa's freak show, he called them. Yeah. yeah. Is that what he called them or, or what other people called them? Yeah, it says, due to their odd-looking form, they were ridiculed as Zonpazipa's freak show. But they ended up playing a rather large role in the Battle yeah. of Zarkabard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I was wondering, when, when Wings of the Goddess came out, I was like, oh, are we going to get to Zarkabard? And, and see those? For, yeah, mm-hmm. for campaign there, would they appear? Oh, that would be cool. Oh, here, here's another cool thing for the uh, for the Mithra enthusiasts out there. But uh, in uh, eight sixty one five point is that should be in the fifth month, I would assume of eight sixty one though. Uh, the Mithra Navy are urgently recruiting new soldiers, and that is actually when they reform as the Mithra mercenaries. Ah, okay, gotcha, gotcha. 
Um, uh, and actually, one more thing that I had uh, that I had just seen. Uh, uh, one more line here that uh, where did it go? Um, that oh oh uh, as opposed uh, or uh, going back to uh, the, to the Cardians um, that there were uh, a lot of really strange experimental models uh, going back to you know the the freak show uh, thing uh, like one with four arms and magical swords uh, another with uh, two heads and uh, he tested and experimented different arrangements over and over again now what does that sound a little bit like it sounds a little bit like a puppet master doesn't it just a little bit, mm-hmm. just a little bit. So that would uh, sound like Talzum testing grounds with all those monsters and junk. That's that. created that that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I mean, in fact, like they even kind of talk about like uh, the the uh, you know similarities or differences between the Cardians and something like a like a puppet in uh, in a lot of those uh, TOAU missions too. Uh, well, not a lot, but a, a few of them, um, especially where uh, what is that the. The King of Heart? What is it? The King of something in the? Oh, the King of Hearts. Is it the King of Hearts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the King of Hearts. So, um, but uh, but yeah, do do the Ottergon missions if you want a little bit of exposition on that. Um, all right, and uh, coming up next, uh, let's see. We got the the Sandoria timeline here. Uh, we're gonna take a look at uh, some interesting stuff coming from Sandoria. Now, now, someone said we could skip Sandoria. Is that what I heard? Right, we're just gonna a skip it a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> no, they actually have some pretty good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, um, you know, a lot of it's the treachery and backstabbing that we know and love Sandoria for. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but I mean, you got to figure that so much, uh, so much of our current timeline is dictated by uh, the it, events at right, Tavnasia. Right, right. This is true. So there's actually... Um, there's actually so this, is a, this is a pretty large portion mm-hmm. of our history right here. Well, so. and, and here's the thing, too. Uh, I thought that originally, as I'm reading through the beginning things, like, you know, in, in the Age of Magic and whatnot, that uh, a lot of this we, we have actually already covered because of, like, Windurst and right, whatnot, yeah, owning yeah, everybody. Yeah. But as we get further up into, you know, like, uh, about around, around the, the mid to late, you know, 500 to the 600s, is when we start getting a lot more of the internal conflict that Sandioria is famous for. Right, so. the the age of power, right? Yeah, in yeah. there. So, uh, so that's that's yeah, that's mm-hmm. definitely where we're going to take a, a, a concentration here. Yep. So, so uh, the age of beasts. Two things basically happened. Um, One ninety after the crystal era, which is uh, actually ten years before the Taru Taru uh, arrived on the Kuan continent. The Elvan migrated from the Northlands, and they split into one, two, three, four five tribes, uh, none of which I'm going to try and pronounce. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, and that was actually in 200, which was the year the Taru Taru came. So uh, about 100 years later is when the Age of Magic began. Uh, the Quadov invaded present-day Durflin, capturing Pashal Mar- Marshlands, and it was actually around this time, 301, that they began construction of Bado. Um, I'd also like to point something out. In 343, this is when the Taru Taru first invaded Norvlin and started conquering everybody. Um, you know, we never really point out exactly why the Taru Taru were able to, you know, crush people so easily, but it's something, you know, we probably should have seen. Since it was the Taru Taru that invented magic, that's obviously, you know, right. why, like, it says the, uh, that the Galean Elvon of Norvlin were powerless against the magic of Windurst, and they surrendered to them, so that's... How our beastmaster friend Lungo well, Nungo it, was able to—it's—it's it's not to say that the Tarotar necessarily invented magic. I don't know if they invented magic because that may have been something the, well, from the days of the Zillar. Right. right, they were the first among the five races to have discovered magic. Mm-hmm. Right, that's right. correct. Yep. yep. 
So then uh, we go through a lot of, you know, what we already cover, covered in Windurst. The but, Age of Magic, um, again, yep. it does focus a lot on mm-hmm. Windurst. But yeah. uh, I would also like to point out that uh, Lanfear, Lanfoir? Lanfoir? Some dude named Deorgil, <laughs> a young Standarian boy, was actually the first to learn the ways of the Dragoon, and that was in 374. And yet the Dragoon didn't come out until Rise of the Zillard. Yep. Um, in 375, we mentioned this before with Windurst, but a method of using chocobos as riding mounts is invented. Now, uh, uh, apparently this was a pr- pretty big deal. Like, they were already used as, you know, uh, livestock to pull carts and plows, and they could be ridden bareback. However, it wasn't until Wellpard, that's the, uh, uh, the guy's name, but he actually invented the saddle. And that's what made them able to ride long distance. Oh, okay. All right. uh, it also helped to develop modern day jobs like the Paladin and the Dark Knight. Um, it's also being able to ride the Chocobos is what finally gave Sandaria their advantage over the other races because now they had mounted combat. Chocobo Knights. That's right. Chocobo <laughs> Knights. Do you have anything else to, to, to add to that, Elmer? No, not really, but I remember when uh, Wings of the Goddess was coming. A lot of people are speculating Chocobo Knight could be a new job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People have been speculating that forever, though. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Viking and Time Mage and Geodancer. <laughs> I want yeah, Hypno Mage! <laughs> and, <laughs> and Viking, too, came from uh, stuff from this book. Yeah. Uh, Vikings apparently fought against giants way up in the north. The Gigas, um, yeah. So, yeah, when people start speculating about jobs, there's some stuff that gets pulled from here. Except no one brought up Hypnomage. That's um, I, 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 on, on the topic of hit, Hypnomage, I like Spiral Sorcerer better. <laughs> I think spiral henceforth we should call him the Spiral Sorcerer. Spiral Sorcerer, excellent. Yep. Um, but actually, you know, uh, and, and here, uh, okay, uh, I may sound crazy, but I swear I've seen this image somewhere, all right? And every, yeah. time, I, every time I bring it up with someone... They give me the thousand yards there, and they're like, I've never heard of that. But there is this, there's this image that I've seen, and I swear somebody posted it on our forums of all places. That was a fully fleshed yeah. out version of the uh, of the world of yeah, Bonadil, complete, complete that. with the you know the Eastern Ottergon Empire, the Western Empire out there. The, the oh, there the was map. the, the, uh, yeah, the, the, huge, the, the Gigas areas to the top. Yeah. 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 Yep. Where I, cool I can't map. find it anymore. Where did <laughs> it, that image go? In our, I'm pretty sure it's somewhere in like our our old uh, okay. topic suggestions forums. Somebody yeah, needs to find this map mm-hmm. because me and Nero are lazy. <laughs> no, honest, right, next. honestly, I've been I've been looking for this thing a while ago. Mm-hmm. Well, you apparently, have... someone speculated on what all the lands would look like and added to the existing map and posted it, but it looked so good that. Tons of people thought it was it was actual. was was like canon or something. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. I get you. Mm-hmm. I get you. I mean, I knew it was a fan made thing, but it actually it is such a cool map. Um, yeah, and, and and it does seem it does seem at least somewhat based in uh, in some of this history too. So. Mm-hmm. Well, here, uh, I Nero, I typed full Vendale map into Google and I found it. Yeah, it's like I just typed Vendale map and it was the first one that came up under images. 
<laughs> and Nero spent nights, countless sleepless nights, searching our forums uh, for it. I did. I was looking on the forums for it, too. Oh, my God. And you guys Googled it in seconds. Stupid Google. Yeah, put it in the chat. One Stupid point, Google. 1.384 seconds, to be precise. That's the exact Damn you, Google. That I got with Elmer there, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh right. continue. We'll check yeah. out the <laughs> was, uh, Who made it to give them the credit? I, that would be good to know. That might be. I'm, I still, I'm still not sure. I forget. Uh, too funny. <laughs> well, uh, shortly following the uh, the the uh, the rideability of of Chocobos, uh, Lanfior, the uh, first dragoon, was selected to be the head of the Sandiorian tribe. Uh, he led some assaults here and there. You know, occupied some territories, got beaten back by Winders, the Sandiorians, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but eventually, in 381, and we were talking about this earlier, but Land 4 meets with the Quad of King. Now, uh, Elmer, why don't you tell us a little bit about these, uh, this alliance between the Quadovs and the uh, the Elvans? Uh, yeah, so he goes to travel to Bedou to have an audience with the king. Uh, the king at the time is Duda the Everyone. And, <clears throat> yeah, I, I thought this was, a, I remember this was an interesting story when I was doing it, that he goes to basically uh, drink with him. He drinks a glass of mud wine, which is a, a favorite drink of the Quada, but is rather disgusting really? for humans and <laughs> elephants too, I imagine. Uh, um, but he was able to like what, mud drink it without uh, complaining, without making a grimace, without, you know, he was yeah. able to do it with respect. While smiling, it, gave, it says. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a, he managed to down it with a smile. <laughs> so, and he gained the favor of the king, and that was instrumental in being able to team up again and stop some of the rampaging the Windhurstians were uh, wreaking yeah. upon their country. So, yeah, yeah, being able to drink mud wine that act quickly gained the favor of the king. So that's 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 all it takes to, to impress the Agudo is just uh, an iron stomach, apparently. Fair enough. Yep. Yep. Um, well, sort uh, of like smoking a peace pipe. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There yeah. you go. There we go. Uh-huh. Hey, that's that's just another uh, another drink for us to make. Mud yeah. Wine. Mud wine. Right. Mud yeah. slide. Yep. Uh, um. Short. So go. shortly after that, you know, the king upheld his promise, engaged the Windurstian forces, uh, ultimately repelling them. Um. In 383, uh, Ulfalon meets with the mountain-dwelling Chatife tribe and convinced them to ally with Lanfor. And it was two years later, in 385, that the kingdom of Sandeoria was officially established in the uh, woods of Ronfair, together with the most influential Elvan, for this bold announcement. It says that he unsheathed his sword and cut into his own hand, letting the blood drip down onto an iron crown. Raising the crown of blood and iron, which was obviously a powerful symbol of military might, to his head, Lanfior proclaimed, we shall henceforth be known as the Kingdom of Sandoria. So that was, uh, I guess, big for the Sandorians. That was the founding of Sandoria? Nice, yep, nice little so, hallmark moment, I guess. This is where Elmer got his strategies from. For- <laughs> <laughs> this is where the blood comes from. Exactly, it's all in history. <laughs> mm-hmm, yep. Uh, another interesting fact, too, that same year, Ulfalon uh, uh, eventually went on to be the founding Marcus of Tavnasia, which uh, was assigned to the western peninsula of uh, Quina, Kuan. And uh, since we have been, you know, uh, sort of pointing out each of the inventions or the creations of the currency, it was two years after this in 387 that uh, the currency unit of the Noir? Noir? No, no, no what? The, yeah, it's all, it's 
Of friends. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's right. So silent. Noah. Yeah. You know Fair what? Enough. You know what? Luso is proud of me right now. <laughs> it's proud of me. So yeah, it was uh, uh, invented that year, and of course, a year later, the uh, Marquis of Tavnasia, Ulflan, died that year. Um, a little bit later, in 391, the royal knights are officially formed with Fen Velour Ordell appointed as their first captain. and uh, uh, The namesake of Ordell's Caves right yep, there. Yep, that's right. And, um, uh, and, and here's a big one. Uh, coming up uh, a couple of years later, uh, in 398, Sam Reary, who we were uh, introduced to uh, through the... Uh, through the uh, history of Windurst, Sam Riri, uh, a Tarotaru peace officer, tells Elvon the ways of the magic. That's right. And thus leveling the uh, the, the playing, playing field, field. Yeah, so to speak. Yep. Oh, and Sam Riri, before talking about uh, the, the Parogo Sam Riri that appears, yeah. right? Yeah. I, was, yeah. I checked the, the JP wiki seeing if there's any extra info. Apparently she helped uh turn the toads around windhurst into Perogo. yes yeah that you was know, actually when uh, when Ergen first came out they they released a little bit of cryptic information right. about that in that one update yeah there the was professor that, that yeah. uh looked into it and was like researching it yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah that was uh that was one of the the little bits of canon that would that uh come That's out right. of play online every once in a while mm-hmm. so there's, yep. there's also a note that says um the Samariri progos that appear in Einherjar and Nizel, uh, it's not clear what exactly the connection is between those and the actual Taru. So. Oh, okay. All Maybe right. they were like the original prototypes, like they were some of the original ones left. Maybe. Yeah. Samariri's um, freak show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the, uh, the, rest, uh, the next uh, big news in the uh, history of Sandaria comes in the Age of Power. In, and man, uh, they don't, they, they, this is really where... Sandoria really starts to shine in the uh, well, in the age of power. In, in the stabbing in the back department. Yeah, exactly, yeah. in the stabbing in the back department. <laughs> right. Um, in, in 403 was when Castle de Orgil was uh, uh, officially completed, and uh, it was actually in 410 that the Kingdom of Sandoria officially recognized the goddess, and that was the founding of the Church of Sandoria. Now, over the next about uh, 10 years is when you get all that stuff, the whole uh, non-aggression pack with, peop- with uh, uh, Winders, and they broke it, and there was some fighting and whatnot. And uh, in 421, the Iron Blood King Lanfear passed away, and his third son Resveal, with the support of the Church, and this is where the backstabbing comes in, incarcerates his brothers as heretics, and he is then crowned the King of Hope. Man, that's cold. Yeah, I know, dude. That's right? cold. <laughs> that is just cold. Yeah, and then crowns himself the King of Hope. <laughs> Uh, construction <laughs> begins on the Grand Cathedral right about then, and a year later, the Tarutaru wizards wreak havoc in Sandaria's capital, which was Operation Bogey's present. Um, in an attempt to restore public order, the Temple Knights were then formed. And uh, I, I, I like this. I like this little this little tad bit here. Uh, 25 years later, about, the Temple Knights banish all Humes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, they're just like you know what? We'll show you guys. They ban all humans. <laughs> yeah, um, four seventy four for woodworkers out there. That was when your guild was formed uh, because of the increasing demands for weapons for the armies. So that was pretty cool. Um, here comes our next uh, sort of little bit of backstabbing and inner turmoil. But uh, Baron Grilmit Fern 
plots with the queen to overthrow the royal family that was labeled as Fern's Rebellion. It lasted for about two years before their forces surrendered to the Temple Knights, and a year later, Baron Fern is executed. Ouch. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. Probably publicly, too. Yep. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, it looks like the Leathercrafting Guild was invented or established in 526, and another king... Uh, I missed where where Mr. King of Hope died, but apparently in 538, uh, King Carambolo passes away. Shalom be that from the record. Yeah. Uh, the, ga- the Grand Cathedral is completed a couple... Uh, uh, a little bit later, and um, in 558, the war king Achufagai is enthroned. <laughs> Achufagai? Achufagai? Oh, hold on. Let me see. We're just going to oh. call him the war king. So drink! The war, Listeners, Ashfold. drink. The war king is enthroned. <laughs> drink. His name is Ashfog. Well, we're calling Ashfog him Ashfog the war king. <laughs> Shut up. In 559, uh, this, is oh actually, this is actually the first we've heard of the orcs, but in 559, uh, the dude, I Orcish... Dude, I pronounced stuff bad, but that was horrible. I'm going to kick you in the face. In 559, the Orcish Imperial oh. Army lands on the northern shores of Kuan, and the War King... That, I like this part here. The War King accompanies an elite force of knights across the Juno Strait. They force Winders to surrender four fortresses and then abandon them, returning home where he defeats 1,000 orcs with brutal force. <laughs> and and it, actually, it, actually, it actually goes into detail. It says, after his skirmish with Winders, before the cross of the Juno Strait, before, uh, or they crossed the Juno Strait once again, the War King took a handful of knights up to the uh, Uligaran Range, where he joined up with some soldiers who had been stationed in the remote region, and using the height difference to his advantage was able to easily overtake the evading orcs, and then he flung 1,000 soldiers from the cliff to their death, <laughs> obtaining a decisive victory. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Well, we, we defeated the Taru Tarus. <laughs> to celebrate, let's go throw some orcs off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and up to this point, actually, spoilers, the orcs were a peaceful race, but then you know the war king did that, being provoked in no way whatsoever. So that's why the orcs are evil. Uh, they took a page out of the Taru's book. They're like, "What would the Taru do?" And well, then they just threw things off. Here's cliffs. the thing. Then two years later, yeah, he's actually is taking. I think taking a page out of Lungo Nungo's book. But two years later, goes into the Conchet Highlands, assaulting several Hume settlements. <laughs> Oh man! Oh my God! Oh yeah! He's brutal! Yeah, and then and then he uh, <laughs> hold on, and then he goes. He takes uh, uh, clashes with the Bestoken Knights in the Highlands, and Guzgin Mines is destroyed. <laughs> and then he goes home, and uh, Victory Arch is completed in honor of him. Uh, Victory, oh. Victory Arch. Where is Victory? Do you have uh, any yeah, that's the one that goes from northern to southern Sandaoria. Oh, that giant okay. arch right there. Oh, yep. Interesting. Yep. In 568, uh, he makes his cousin uh, Marilyn uh, the queen, and uh, she begins her journey around the continent of Kuan. She marries Count uh, Philodenon from Tavnasia and uh, gets shipwrecked off the coast of the Ashik Mountains and uh, is apparently never found. Yep, it says the search was eventually called off. Uh, and that same year, the hunter king Dormiliquu ascends to the throne. So. Now, now cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but this was uh, 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 Queen uh, Marle- Marlene, Marline? Yeah. Uh, she was the uh, the only reigning active ruling queen 
for Sandoria. Oh, right? right. Yeah, because because yeah, it says right here that uh, I'm sorry. In 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 five sixty eight. Uh, the War King died due to complications from wounds suffered in battle, yeah. and the next year his cousin was, was made, made the queen. queen. Right, yep. and and she's been, as far as I know. Um, uh, th- I mean, there have been other queens, right? But she was the only like root one that actually actively Acti- ruled. Uh, that right. that established yep. active rule, right? Yeah. And of yeah. course, when the search was called off, uh, Dormilacu became the Hunter King. Yeah, and uh, actually, the, the Queen uh, 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 Marline, if I remember reading correctly, she was uh, she was actually a, a notorious adventurer, uh, which was uh, at the time very kind of un- unheard of. Uh, well, yeah, uh, uh, especially with uh, her whole you know beginning journeys around the continent of Kunan. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and actually, here's a fun little note for you um, PVPers out there, but uh, it was actually King Dormilicu. That uh, he uh, he restricted hunting in the woods of East Ronfair to just the royal family. Um, uh, eventually, it says that he holds an international swordsman tournament in Sandaria's capital. The winner of who was the Grand Knight uh, Silvelafi. But uh, eventually, in the woods of Ronfair here, the sporting event known as Ballista was developed. Hey, there you in go. In 630. Um, Eleven years later, the Hunter King Dormilicu dies. Bum, bum, bum. And it says, in an attempt to repair the financial or the, to repair the royal family's impending financial crisis, Prime Minister uh, Romavia institutes a plan for economic reform. He, Sounds like something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He Why cuts down an yeah. area allocated for the church and then is assassinated. Ouch. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and for a while, it looks like we don't really have any any kings because that that happens. Uh, uh, the the last king died in six forty one. Um, we had some big stuff happen, like the in 663, the Orcish Imperial Army tunneled through the northern mountains and attacked Norvalin, uh, but Lord Fulda Damian and his uh, knights repelled the Orcish forces. Uh, he was recognized as a great hero, and his image was carved into Victory Arch as well. And then in 686, about you know 20 years after the last king died... Uh, Wolf King Ragagyu ascends to the throne. Now, at this point, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Uh, this is where uh, Sandoria and uh, Tavnasia get into a civil war uh, and uh, and are divided. Is that correct? Uh, it, it does say in 690 the Tavnasian knights entered Castle de Orgil. It doesn't say right. why or what for, but Elmer, could you shed any light on that for us? Uh, enter the ca- uh, Here, I'm going to check that out on the Ages. I forget where I read about that because I, I I went through and I read like literally the entire archives for um uh the uh, uh Vonadil Tribune and a lot of this stuff is is kind of talked about through there. It's got to be around then because only a little while after that, that's when um, Ron Pierce like stops the civil war right yeah yeah, i I knew there was a civil war yeah they're attacking it yeah 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 so that that whole enter them entering into castle de orgil was an attack yeah exactly so that does that launches uh the civil war and uh and i also believe that if i if I'm, i'm i'm remembering correctly it's because uh uh the uh the wolf king there was not of royal blood Mm -hmm. at all uh, in fact, he was—he—he—he uh, he, he had no connection to the royal family whatsoever, uh, and that's what—that's uh, what sparked uh, the the civil war. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, our, our list here doesn't really go much more into exactly what happened with the civil war. Um, but it does say yeah, that. Is... 
one of the cases where the book has the framework, but the details are in the game. Ah, so, okay. Yeah, there's yeah, a future mm-hmm. expansion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the Wolf King, it says, eventually led his royal knights on an invasion of Gustaberg. Uh, he engaged the Republic army, but ultimately was forced to make a strategic withdrawal. Uh, he Which, that, that was the, uh, the second yep. battle of mm-hmm. uh, Kronstadt right there. Yep, uh, it says that Prince... Well, how? Because didn't the, the leader of the Sandorian army die in the second battle of Kronstadt? Let's find the second battle mm-hmm. of Kronstadt. No, well, no. Because that was when they were inside the crag. Bastok was in the crag and Sandoria was stupid and they tried to come into the crag and Bastok had guns. And I'm pretty sure the commander of that battle died with Sandoria. No, because it says uh, two years later the the king uh, departed for Lethane once again, and uh, Prince Felinot took advantage of his absence and attempted to gain control over the capital, but ultimate fail ultimately failed, and was imprisoned. So you were oh, saying that? Sorry, king, the, right? no, no, no. Sorry, my bad. I the general of Sandoria's army was killed in one of his attacks at the um, at the crag. Crag when he the, he went in with all of his people, like right, they right. had. Something huge, like twice the number of Bastok, and he went in there at one point, and the general was killed. My mistake. Okay, yeah, because I was going to uh, say, I, I, I know you're talking about, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't the king, because, yeah, he, he, he goes on yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to do some okay. other stuff, um, where the prince tries to take control, but, uh, of course, fails. Um, it's actually around this time in 694 that the construction begins on uh, the Bostonio Obliette. Um, uh, the prince actually ends up escaping from prison, and in the age of technology, when the Obliette is complete... Uh, that same Prince Felinet who escaped proclaims himself king, and this begins the era of the two kings. Um, it's at this point in 705 that the current Marcus of Tavnasia declares their neutrality. Uh, the Orkish Empire sends an advance party to invade Ronfair about 60 years later. Um, Ordell is... Oh, I think this is where Odell or Odell yeah, was maybe was right. probably named after this person, but that was still the namesake. But yeah. right, yeah, ba- uh, uh, Baron uh, uh, Torsepets, Tor Torres Torres Pet Torres Pet. That's how I'd say it. <laughs> Torres Pet. All right, there we go. Uh, uh, Baron Torres Pet Odell. Uh, yeah, he is indeed. Uh, he's sent to inspect the limestone caverns in uh, Lathine Plateau now. Uh, today known as Ordell's Caves, mm-hmm. and uh, shortly dies thereafter. Yeah. So there, uh, there, there you go. There's yep. the actual, yeah, where it came from. But I'm sure, again, yeah, family, family histories. That's that uh, lineage is a big mm-hmm. reoccurring theme with uh, with Sandor. Now, now here's a here's a big one. In 782, uh, Ranpier received his title as the Dragon King. Now, Elmer, there, there there's nothing here in our, in our outline about how he received that title, but is there any, any other information on how Rampier got his name as the Dragon King? Yeah, I don't see, I just see the item in the list, but he he was involved with uh, Vitra. Oh, yeah. Vitra. Yes. Right, because that, that, that is his tomb down exactly, there, Exactly, right? yeah. He he had uh, uh, supposedly made a pact with Vertra. Um, he, he defeated Vertra in, in, I believe it was East Ronfar. He beat him and then in basically defeat Vertra made the pact with, well, the king made the pact with Vertra, and Vertra kind of went along with it because he had lost, basically. So so it wasn't, so he, he he didn't slay Vertra, he just bested her and uh, decided to enter a pact with her, sort of like the, a mutual respect type thing? Yeah, like... Yeah, I think, is this the point where he, maybe he just uh, becomes king because later in 830, uh, it says, 
He storms into Vitra's den, exterminates the dragon, and is awarded the title of Dragon King. Yeah. Oh, so he does actually uh, slay slay Vertry. Yeah. Hmm. So perhaps in 782, he's he's raised to the uh, level of king, but is yet to acquire the actual title Dragon King. Ah. I think. Ah. All right. Well. Uh. Maybe. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. It says 782. He was given his title. Um, 783, he was bestowed with the Holy Sword from the north, and uh, it actually wasn't until 815 that he gained victory over King uh, Jambert, which, because uh, upon slaying that king, uh, finally united Sandaria under a single monarchy, and that was the end of the uh, era of the two kings. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's interesting, because there's a note I'm reading, the because uh, there was the Venadil Tribune, um, thing they did on him they had a little snippet yeah and uh uh after he stops the bloody civil war he continued to build his legacy by excelling by expelling the orcish hordes from ronfar and ridding the kingdom of marauding black dragons so oh yeah yeah we we haven't quite got to the to the virtue part yet so yeah i wonder how he did get his name then as the dragon as dragon king because that was in 782 and the, and the black dragon's wrath doesn't happen until 830 yeah i I think i because it's probably that he was known as king rampier at 782 and then later became known as the dragon king uh but uh, for for the sake of the timeline oh oh, you mean so it's just identifying two he was he he got his title of king yes you got exactly i gotcha okay yeah that's exactly uh that's exactly what we're thinking here but uh but something that uh that we uh that we uh skipped over here is the three month monarchy uh yeah don't get ahead of yourself Felix. uh uh elmer why don't we uh why don't we talk about the uh the three-month monarchy here all right let's see so he the king ramp here had victory with the battle of the two kings and he was able to sort of settle the war going on within the kingdom um however there it said the grudge between the parties, the two parties, would manifest itself for years to come. In 1816, the remnants of Yon Bear's forces established a new nation in Norvalin as an act of rebellion. <clears throat> so, oh, hold on a second. <clears throat> okay. So, <clears throat> at this point he had to deal with this new sort of upstart nation that was trying to take over, mm-hmm. you know, similar to, you know, just what he had to deal with in the Battle of the Two Kings. Um, so it said, considering, uh, you know, having to deal with this, the king decided to gather the royal knights under Earl Palacian and the white mage, Valdine of the Temple Knights. And they took a fighting force of 3,000 and they sent them forth. So the rivalry those two share is no secret, but neither is their exceptional prowess on the battlefield. Within just three months, so the three-month monarchy, they toppled the enemy castle, captured Prince Nafbear's forces, and quelled the impending rebellion. So the three-month monarchy was this sort of upstart nation that tried to establish itself and take over, which was defeated by Rampier. Very interesting. Um, during the journey home, Earl Palacian suddenly vanished from camp. Um, Valdine, who was the white mage, 
in an attempt to protect the reputation of the Temple Knights, organized a large-scale investigation. However, there is no trace of Earl Palacian's whereabouts and no reason found for his disappearance. So they uh, called it an assassination and reported it as such to the king to sort of cover it up and perhaps leave him with a little honor. Mm-hmm. Um, so the king ordered an end to the search efforts, and a national memorial service was held. This guy was the last dragoon, I want to say, right? Yeah. Ropalchian. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that is, isn't that addressed in some way uh, through the dragoon mission? That was yeah, so it, long ago, I don't know. Yeah, it's it been a long time. It turns out his, his wyvern was manifesting the evil crest instead of the holy crest and mm-hmm. he had to uh deal with that that's right so uh, and it was actually now we get caught up to what Velix had confused us with earlier but uh well first of all in 824 king destin is born of course he's not king at the time but you know who we know as king destin now is born and it's in 829 that the black dragon virtuous swoops down and begins wrecking havoc. It lands in Victory Square. Yeah, it says, One evening, under the full moon, the black dragon Vertra suddenly came soaring down from the sky. Circling high above the capital of Sandoria, the dragon eventually swooped down towards Victory Square, and after resting briefly, the great beast violently belched forth flames and wrecking havoc. The knights fought valiantly, but their efforts were futile as the dragon burned down numerous houses, inns, cloisters, and towers. And a year later... King Rampier storms into Virtra's den and exterminates the Black Dragon, and for his victory, he is awarded the title of Dragon King. Um, Which is noted on, actually, I looked it up, the uh, the Ron Pure gold piece, the 10,000 right. yep. piece, yeah. it mm-hmm. says, dates back to CE uh, 830, yep. commemorates the slaying of the evil Black Dragon by Ron Pierre yep. at Dorigal. Uh, and a year later, the construction of King Rampier's tomb is completed, and Virtra is sealed within... One year after King Rampier passes away. Wow, great timing, completing his tomb, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> that, that Black Dragon's wrath thing reminds me of the, the bug when Vitra appeared, not inside the tomb, but oh, above yeah, 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 right. yeah, on top. <laughs> just killing people. Mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> um, when, when King Rampier uh, passed away, King, uh, King Grantual was enthroned. Um, within the next couple of years, uh, Baron Paraduke was inaugurated as the prime minister, uh, helped to repair, you know, some royal family financial states, um, some economic reform, stuff like that. And in, uh, 850, we're actually starting to come up on, uh, you know, current stuff, so we're just about done here. But in 850, the NPC we all know as Marcus Roshnafog of Taz- Tavnasia was born. Yep. And in 851, while chasing game on the royal hunting ground, that's when the current king, Grantuial, was ambushed and killed by orcs, and Prince Destin, who was wounded, barely escaped with his life. Uh, he, was, he, of course, ascended to the throne, but uh, was considered only a temporary placeholder due to the previous king's sudden demise, and in 853, he married. And uh, that starts to get us into uh, what we know from the missions as, uh, yeah. as current, current yep. uh, history and whatnot. So, yes, yeah, indeed. there you go. That uh, that completes the uh, the the basic history behind uh, the the three nations, um, and uh, and a lot of you know a lot of really interesting stuff. Uh, you know, one of the things that's uh, that's also mentioned here was that uh, the Ugat Grotto was uh, was created by orcs using elven slaves to dig tunnels. 
they intended to use the tunnels to uh, lead all the way under Sandoria, uh, but the plan was too difficult, so they just gave up on the project. Owned. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, very funny. Uh, so, um, yeah, we're uh, we're uh, let's there's there's some I mean there's still so much that we can right. talk well, about. And, I mean and, even and even through the, the history, too, uh, I was looking through a lot of the other, the other information that we have, and a lot of it isn't so much history as it is sort of just summing up like random facts about you know different types of mobs, behavior of beastmen, stuff like that. Nothing that's really you know history or, or lore related. However, and I think this is actually a pretty good way to end it too, uh, as we're coming off it. And it was actually earlier in the show too. I forget who it was. But I think it was uh, Yujiro was asking about uh, lore behind jobs, and as we actually have here, is we do actually have uh, a little bit of random lore based on based on all the jobs that I think we could go over. Um, which, yeah. Which 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 would bring us about to uh, about to the show's end and whatnot. Yeah, and so, uh, I mean we can we can yep. cover some of these right uh, exactly beastman stuff real real mm-hmm. quick because these are real real short. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Now should, uh, uh, a lot of this stuff um, about the jobs is well, pretty. Hey, well, just just real quick before we uh, before we get into the jobs here, uh, Silver Striker from our Starbreaker chat asks if uh, we're going to be uh, covering Odd Ergon. Um, and, uh, and un- unfortunately, I don't know how much history of Otteragon exists out there. Elmer, do you have any idea, uh, uh of how much, uh, Otteragon info there is? Um, well, this book was released in 2004, so right. there's nothing really about it in here. There's only, a, like, really small hints about Chains of Promethea, even, as it seems like they prepared, uh, some of the backstory for that. Right. Um, since this book and the art concept book, they haven't really released. Oh man, you totally reminded me of something. Though. They haven't really released anything huge like this. But let me grab. Uh, they recently released this story Ultimania. It's like a bible for Final Fantasy XI. Really? And it's it. Actually, this would have been. <laughs> way to prepare elmer <laughs> is that something that you I had totally to... forgot about this book oh wow it's just so it's it's like a, it's like all the info um about the story the jobs and everything all sort of combined into here wow um, it doesn't have as much detail like timelines and everything like the other book but well what's some uh, what's some fascinating stuff out there i mean does it I, i'm assuming that like, when was it published? What year was it published? Is this fairly recently? This one that yeah. I'm holding? Yeah. Or can't see me. But. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yes, that um, one. That one there, Elmer. <laughs> we can see you. Wait, wait, hold I on. Go back towards was, the camera. <laughs> I believe it was May of this year. Wow. Okay. All right. So, um, so w- w- does it does it say anything about Ottergon in there? Well, I mean, the, uh, it, I I have no idea how much how much you've read uh, of it, obviously. But uh, but uh, I mean, it, what are some what are some interesting stuff that I mean maybe we didn't know? Well, this is more more than like a timeline of the history. It's sort of a collection of uh, all the stories, like that history of Vanadale site did. Yeah. Like the quest stories and the mission stories are sort of contained in here. I see. Um, I think it's going to have a list of the missions about Ergon. Not so much like ancient history, like the book had. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Final Fantasy XI history timeline in the back, but it's more. It's the development history. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I'm not. 
Well, that may have you know that may have been an interesting aspect to look at too, uh, you know, just to kind of, as like a almost like a pretext to to fourteen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mentioned I had <clears throat> uh, before, you know, a lot of the development history too. But I think you know doing both in one show might get really. Oh yeah, 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 no, yeah. It yeah. would get really game intense. And out game. <laughs> I think I think I, I think though Elmer that uh, that maybe we should uh, maybe we should try to t- find some time uh, before fourteen comes out and uh, and maybe talk about the the development history of eleven that that might be uh, something fun and interesting to do so um, mm-hmm. just just you know thoughts for the future um, but uh, but you know what we're we're gonna roll on here into jobs and uh, and Elmer if you happen to find anything. Uh, interesting or, or noteworthy about Ottergon in there that uh, that may not have been readily el- evident from uh, any of the cutscenes. Um, uh, feel free to uh, feel free to share. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and before we start, too, I'd like to point out that uh, the these facts and information sitting here or that we're about to read from the jobs isn't necessarily in any uniform way. It just seems to be random factoids about each job. Yeah, yeah, so, it's just you know just stuff yeah, that may be so, interesting yeah, yeah, that they're, you didn't they're, they're know. Nice little cool things. Yeah. So. You again, want, you want to start again, off? care of care of Tom too. Right, you want you want uh, Tom too. Kind of uh, assembled a lot of these mm-hmm. and organized a lot of these. So. Why don't you start off with Warrior then? Uh, let's see. Uh, t- uh, Tailkeeper Raugrim. Uh, uh, being a Tailkeeper, he was burdened with uh, his emotions of the Galkin people. Uh, uh, is that true, Felix? Uh, the previous two hundred year history of the Galkin people. So all that rage and emotion and you know sorrow and Emo. all that stuff. <laughs> uh, uh, these emotions influenced uh, the people he met and uh, the items he used. Uh, the weapons and armor left behind harbor these emotions and will be passed on to those who use them. Uh, some are full of sorrow. Some are full of warmth and kindness. Uh, but all sentiments give uh, these weapons and arbor great value. It is said those who inherit his abilities uh, also inherit his emotions, and they may realize the true meaning of being a warrior. So, uh, Yep, for Monk it says, Ogby is an old, well-built Gulka who can always be found drinking at the steaming sheep in Port Bastok. Ogby was the teacher of uh, now-deceased mithril musketeer Cornelia, as well as the Who's adventurer uh, Dolzak. Uh, ordinarily, he appears to be drunk, but in reality, his skills exceed that of even the Mithril Musketeers. Uh, his one regret is that he was never able to pass on his signature techniques, Azurin Fists, to his former pupil, uh, Cornelia. To this day, he still drinks as he reminisces on the potential she had to master that technique and waits for someone who is worthy. So, so Ogby is the original drunken master. He's actually the one who punched out all of Sid's teeth. Yeah, right. He's the one. <laughs> I hadn't, I had, I hadn't heard that before, Felix. It's, it's a little known fact about uh, Pastock in history. Is that, is that, is that something that's you, passed down from Galka to Galka? Something uh, yeah, that was told in the told, told around the the fireplace. The fireplace in the middle of the mines. <laughs> that's, it's not a good idea to do that. We figured that out quickly. <laughs> <laughs> uh for white mage here uh oh lord <laughs> <laughs> nothing interesting what is what, what, how do i say go ahead give it a try uh, <laughs> everyone uh, anyone who's playing the lbr drinking game right now you might want to refill <laughs> what uh, mistletine mist mistletine all right all right fair enough all right so yeah. uh, <laughs> 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 All right, so so for White Mage here for uh, for Mistletine, Mistletine, uh, legend says this rod crafted from mistletoe 
uh, once belonged to Lanford de Orgil, uh, the founder and uh, the first king of Sandoria. However, its whereabouts today are unknown. It is said that uh, those who pos- uh, uh, who possessed this wand are granted extra wisdom and intellect. Uh, it actually drops from one of the Beastman kings, uh, and here's possibly why. Uh, in uh, th- the year uh, 381, uh, Landfair traveled alone to uh, Bedewix for an audience uh, with uh, the Quadav king Duda the Ever Young. Uh, he went to uh, propose an alliance between the two nations. It's something we kind of covered mm-hmm. earlier, but uh, whatever he promised as collateral had uh, been lost in the pages of history. He uh, shared a glass of mud wine. Of course, there it's, uh, that's where so, we so perhaps get that story. This, uh, this legendary rod was what he he traded as that, collateral. Then uh, that is uh, that is the uh, the speculation. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. The uh, the black mage fact here is something we also covered earlier, but uh, flare was you know one of the original ancient magics, a spell originally designed by Kantsu Orantsu, used to defeat Lehabro, the founder of the Yagudo Theo military. So uh, let's see, uh, red mage pronounced uh, lol red mage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mo mo moruru moruru okay. <laughs> Uh, let's see, Moruru, uh, here is a Taru that uh, freely manipulates magic, both white and black. However, uh, he is not looking to master either one. Instead, Oruru feels it is most important to develop your ability to support a party. Uh, take sword fighting, enfeebling magic, enhancing magic, and all else, and balance them into a single technique you can master. Uh, as the captain of the Oristry's, uh Red Mages in the Federation of Windurst, Ohoru uh, likes uh, these ideas, uh, or uh, relates these ideas to his students, saying, Enhancing magic is like the unseen reinforcements. You can create an unex- unexpected amount of damage just by disrupting the enemy. Mm-hmm. So, take, you know, yep, go, uh, man, you, this is you. Uh, thief, uh, detailing usage of ranged attack and ambush tactics. The warlord Ziska used this rapid-fire crossbow to launch his fierce assault against Sandeoria during the First Battle of Konstadt. Uh Protected inside of a military tank, Ziska launched a barrage of poison-tipped darts upon the enemy forces. Uh, in modern times, deadly tactics like this have been forbidden by peace treaties. But the first Battle of Konstadt, which took place in 563, the Hidden Republic forces, armed with new and improved crossbows, lined up and stopped the Royal Knights dead in their tracks, crushing the ambitions of the War King, uh, the guy we're not going to talk about his name, Arde Orgil, <laughs> and preventing Sandioria from taking uh, the Konstadt Highlands. Uh, and uh, where, did, where does Ziska's crossbow drop off of? Do you remember? It comes out of an uh, ENM in Feyin. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Velux, yeah, go ahead. You're, you're a paladin. Why don't you uh, I hate knock this that old out? guy? Um, Balasil is a white haired elven elder who stands beside the tower in South Sandoria's watchdog alley. From there, he puts all adventurers who seek the honor of knighthood through a series of trials. Uh, originally, he tested the royal knights themselves and was the one who appointed Rahal S. Leberhart to the current position, leadership position. Now, my wings of the goddess is rusty, but isn't that one of the little elven kids yes, in the Swift Green Griffins. That is yep. true. Um, 
Today, he searches through the pool of adventures for those who are exceptionally talented. His trials are by no means uh, no means overcome through power alone. One must surpass a variety of tasks, testing their metal, proving not just the strength of their sword, but of their shield as well. Basil strongly believes that a sword that kills cannot match the importance of a shield that protects. So, paladin. <laughs> there you there go. You go. All right, I guess I might as well uh, um, might as well uh, take this one uh, under dark. How lol it is too. <laughs> it's uh, it's it, this is uh, some is some funny weapon lore. Uh, the harvester is a uh, zangle type weapon designed to combat plantoids. Uh, a certain wealthy Taru Taru was fed up with the man uh, Mandragoras uh, running around in his garden, and commissioned the monastery to uh, solve his problem. Uh, together with the uh, Rhinosteri, they developed this magical weapon. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> He's just over here shaking his head. I guess so. <laughs> oh, uh, for Beastmaster here, Brutus, who is a renowned Beastmaster uh, who runs the Chocobo Stables in Upper Juno, He's not only an accomplished chocobo handler, but also possesses considerable skill with an axe. Additionally, he spends time helping to track down lost chocobos that were abandoned in the wilderness. That, that's the guy, that's the chocobo quest guy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, is it the chocobo quest guy, or is it the Beastmaster quest guy? Or actually, I, I, I think they're the, same, the same guy. Thing. Isn't he both? And uh, he does the axe. They're, they're involved in Maybe. some way together, uh, yeah. 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 I thought, that, I thought the, the Beastmaster quest guy was the, the guy with the sixth son. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that was also too. I, I, but that's, I, but that's not, isn't that, is that Brutus? Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, that's is Brutus, it? and he's also somehow involved with the Chocobo quest as well. Because he was, yeah, because he's a jackass during the Chocobo yeah. quest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. Wait, Brutus, are you sure? No, I'm not. I swear. I No, I'm really not. Because I swear that the, the Brutus is the guy that that hangs out at the Chocobo stable. Yeah, he's, and then there's a bald tattoo guy who comes. Who and comes he and he's the, an ass. Yeah, yeah. Brutus is the chocobo owner. He's he's the good guy. He's not the asshole. Thank you. Right, right. But you also he also is in the Beastmaster quest where you go up to his house and he answers the door because his son is sick. Yeah, and he apologizes for being in. Right. The other guy's name is like Dietram or something. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because when you first start to do the chocobo quest, he he's an asshole to you because he doesn't want you to just take the chocobos out and leave them stranded and run them too hard like the one asshole. So he starts out being, uh, you know, mean to you, but when you do the Beastmaster quest, is when he apologizes to you. That's right. That's right. If you look on the map for Rollenberry, there's uh, Brutus's field, which is really big, and then there's a tiny little uh, Dietram's field, as well. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to get so many corrections on this. That's that's interesting. Man. I never noticed that about uh, about Rollenberry fields. That's really fascinating. Huh. And actually, for Dark Knight and Beastmaster, it kind of reminds me when I was first doing these and putting them up. Uh, online, people, you know, they'd be they'd be waiting for the next one, and they'd be wondering, oh, what are the weapons and the armor going to be for you know the job? And a lot of times, people ended up pretty disappointed. Like for Dark Knight, getting a one-handed or, or a, what's it the E Agus <laughs> Agus Halmer helmet that drops. Oh, off the of, ass jammer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, yes, people were all excited one. to hear uh, the lore behind popular equipment, and then they got like stuff like that that they never use. Yeah. But I remember for Beastmaster, one is the carapace helmet, part of the carapace set that's crafted from uh, bone working with crab shells, I believe. Mm-hmm. And apparently when 
you know, you get assaulted. Um, in the in game terms, as you lose HP, the bonuses go up, and in the in the lore, it says that um, sort of like bubbles and slime and stuff actually comes out from the from armor, armor itself. Oh wow! Yeah, just like a crab would, you know, use bubble shower. <laughs> and it coats it, and it makes it slippery, and it gives it padding and protection, kind of. Oh, nice. wow. People thought that That's was cool. pretty gross. That <laughs> is that, that is really awesome. cool. That is really cool. But Ooh, I, I like those kind of explanations, though, where they use, you know, uh, a reasonable example to explain the stats. And I wish they did it with more stuff than just the limited amount they used in the book. Yeah, yeah this, this next sure. one is actually similar to that. It actually explains a piece of equipment that an NM drops. Um, so, all right, yeah, Kahlo, like you were saying, uh, for for Bard here uh, with the with the minstrels uh, minstrels cl- uh, coat, excuse me. Uh, when a Sahagin white mage saved the life of a Mithrin bard caught in a shipwreck, the grateful traveler left this coat behind as a keepsake. They say the notes she strummed on the harp were as soft as ripples on the surface of water. And sued the heart of the Sahagin. the Sahagin, mm-hmm. um, which that does that that drops off. Yeah, a that, that's an actual item that drops off a Sahagin white mage. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like the horrible um, beginning, and of it some adds sort of to story. string skill. Yep. Uh, and of course, the ranger talks about uh, Paravashai, who is the uh, uh, famous Mithrin chieftainess who resides in Windurst. And uh, you actually learn some of this through like the AF quest and whatnot. But uh, during the Great War, she used the bow of light to rescue her comrades from Castle Astroja and lost her eyesight as a result. The, uh, the bow was crafted from magicite brought back from the Northlands 30 years ago by uh, Yao Rabata. Uh, it thus contained horrific power, yet horrific evil at the same time, and her loss of eyesight has not dulled her senses, and by entrusting herself to nature, she's extremely sharp and aware of all her surroundings. Interesting. There's the- a lot. It gets into that huge, doesn't it? Like with the... Um- the shikaris and the whole it, there's right, a huge yeah, there, there, craziness that goes on with that. Uh, I think there's actually uh, a bunch of it is explained in COP at some point too because Prish also you know went to the Northlands and that's where she got her magicite. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. All right, cool. Uh, uh, Velix, why don't you uh, talk uh, about? Uh, samurai. Yep, samurai. The uh, these are more interesting weapon notes. Uh, the Kamawari. Uh, long ago, a certain master swordsman used this blade while pursuing a robber who hid behind a giant jar. With one slice, he cut through the bottle and the robber so perfectly that not a single drop of water leaked and the robber died before he could even realize what had happened. So, it's really anime style, place. he completely crushed him. Uh, and then the other one would be the Tongogiri, which was a spear. Uh, this tip of the spear from the east is so sharp, it is said that a dragonfly once rested on the edge and was instantly cut in twain. Cut in the twain. weapon is so famous and recognizable that the mere sight of it will provoke the wrath of enemies. I love that word. He was cut in twain. <laughs> it's not used enough in uh, modern English. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Yeah. Um, the ninja is next. Uh, creating a funny mental image, Sanjaku Tenugwai. Uh, in the same, in the sense, Monomi is used here. It means a scout. Or possibly to scout or observe, since the ninja spell names are verbs. Sanjaku is a word that describes an item that binds or affixes an item to another item, like a belt affixes a person's pants to them. The word is actually a word for belt. A tenugwai is a small hand towel, so the sneak effect is attained by tying towels to your feet to reduce <laughs> noises, aiding in the infiltration of an area. <laughs> There's a lot of ninja stuff like that. Just, oh, that's cute. If you just go and read the pages of some of the uh, 
the ninjutsu tools. Um, what was it? Utsutsemi, I think, what literally translates to paper tank or something. It's paper soldier, actually, I believe. Oh, so, Utsutsemi is like yeah. empty shell. And yeah, then so it's kind of like, yeah. The tool you use is paper soldier. So it's basically huh. like those two abilities describe ninja tanking, like in and of itself, like how they go about doing it. In a nutshell, it. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Annie, you want to do Dragoon? Uh, yeah, taking a look at uh, Dragoon here, uh, uh, there's a little bit of weapon info for the uh, the, the Dryzak. Uh, long ago, there was a duel between a female swordsman and a giant beast. The woman was no match for the beast's strength, but at the last moment, she hurled a trident and it cut deep into the flesh of the monster. Even now, hundreds of years later, the trident continues to absorb its blood. That's pretty cool. That drops work. off of Tiamat? Uh, no, not off of Tiamat. It drops off of the KSNM uh, 99 with the worm. Oh, that's right. Uh, first, Wyrm gets the worm or whatever. Yep, early, early bird, bird gets, gets the, the worm. worm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I see uh, Fusion's been uh, hanging out in the room watching this. Maybe he can identify with the bane of the existence of a Dragoon. But <laughs> there's, I remember Dryzak used to be like... You know, so much money. It was like, you know... Yeah, well, back in the day, it used to be like yeah. what what the Thosslacrod is now and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it always drops down to like 5,000. And then yeah. the next best spear comes out, and that's millions. And then it drops down to 5,000. And it's always, you know... They They're come just out playing so with awesome. Dragoons. Right, right, yeah. Um, and then Summoner uh, is talking about the austere robe, uh, which we all know as the hobo suit. Yep, yep. Patched together with animal hides and cloth, this robe gives one a shabby-looking appearance. However, its true worth is not in the impression it makes on others. For some reason, avatars from the astral plane favor this look, and it causes their bonds with the Summoner to strengthen. Interesting. Yep. And uh, unfortunately, that's you know all the, all that we have in our outline here. We don't have any of the uh, the odd organ jobs or yeah. the. Uh, the the wings yeah. of the goddess jobs, you know. I, if you know, I I've got to imagine that uh, that Square Enix has probably got some of this canon just lying around, not not doing a whole lot with it. They should they should really kind of flesh some of this out. I mean, I I feel like I feel like you know a lot of this took a hit when we lost the Vonagil Tribune. Um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, and I mentioned that that book I have, the story Ultimania. You know, it's. It's updated and everything, but it doesn't have that kind of backstory that you, we were finding in this book. Like, it won't talk about the individual pieces of Puppet Master armor and what they're made from and, you know, yeah. different weapon or And none of that is here. It's just, you know, what you find in game yeah. collected into a, a volume. Yeah, yeah, but, absolutely. I wish they'd make more of this one, although, and I, and I hope they make kind of neat stuff like this for Final Fantasy 14 as well. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love to see really well fleshed out uh uh you know, a canon and lore and 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 well, all of and, that. Yeah. It's, and really, it just makes for a much more uh, uh immersive environment. Yeah, but uh, and, and really too, you know, when when it comes to the popularity of stuff uh is is definitely another thing that helps you get a lot a lot more stuff out there like, you know, there are certain MMOs who who have, you know, mangas and and yeah. like you know, yeah. uh, huge huge books that are coming out. You know, there's authors you know always writing some more and more stuff about them. So you know, the more uh, uh, popular something gets, the more accepted it is. You know, the more people want to know about that stuff. And of course, oh, yeah, the bigger true. demand there is for it, then yeah, they're still true. making Final Fantasy XI manga. Oh yeah, I mean, there's lots of 
there's lots of fan uh, comics that are getting bundled into volumes that are getting sold as well. I try. I at one point I translated about twenty or so comics and put them up online. They're they're, they're gone for site, whatever they? reason. They're on my machine, so I could put them somewhere, I guess. But but he I, has I to really want to do blood more. But... First, yeah. <laughs> Richard <laughs> ran out of blood. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I just can't find the time to keep doing it. Although I've tried to get people to help me out, like uh, Chipya, who's on Gilgamesh as well, helped out with a couple volumes. But but yeah, it seems like such a shame that. You know, there's people out there who they they seem to find the time to translate all the the porn Final Fantasy Eleven <laughs> priorities, man. Oh, but none priorities. Of them, I've got a stack of these books that that no one will ever see, and oh, it's kind of kind of sucky. Yeah, yeah. That that it is a shame because I I mean. You know, I, I feel like um, there there definitely is an audience in the states for it. You know, it may not be for the lore of the porn. <laughs> <laughs> for the lore, I, I next episode of LBR Final uh, Fantasy XI porn history timeline. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is this is this is the the part this of the show that was invented. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is the part of the show where we call uh, that we call uh, the, the anatomy of an image, and uh, we're going to do the best to describe the image that we're seeing on screen. <laughs> wow! No, no, I know, I know. You know, on, you know uh, this Taru Taru and Galka. That's all. This. Wow! I'll go find that picture one second. This stop. This, no, this no put, dear God, don't this, do it. This topic potentially has <laughs> this topic has the potential to dethrone the ass box. Oh man! Uh, oh, that's horrible. <laughs> uh, just, just remember: no matter what it comes down to, Gelkas don't really have tails. Uh, not anymore. Yeah, not definitely anymore. not anymore. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I think that the it's kind of sad. The whole um, lore of that the whole de- this the snipping of the tails, the snipping of the tails that sucks. <laughs> but that we get to be pirates, so um. But it's the whole lore of Final Fantasy. It's kind of saddening just listening to you guys talk about it. And there's so much out there. But what really kind of gets me is that I know that it would be awesome if 14 was a direct like sequel to 11. But it's all this lore is just going to be like you know. 14 will come out and then any sort of people that were working on that a lot of them will go to 14 so there's yeah. going to be a lot of stuff that's just going to kind of be lost and we're not going to be able to find out a lot of it and there's so much here that like they could have built on it and turned it into something like you know a Warcraft universe but with Final Fantasy 11. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I I I 100% agree and um I think that that one of the only ways because I mean, you know, uh, at at this point, you know, a lot of people are thinking forward uh, uh, to Final Fantasy XIV, um, and and I'm sure that in a lot of ways the company is as well. Uh, and I, I mean, if if this is something that they just kind of have lying around that they you know that they fleshed out in meetings or uh, with with writers or or whoever, I'm not sure how this process is is done. But I mean, if that info exists in a, in an official capacity, uh, you know, maybe they should consider uh, they should consider different ways to uh, to to get it out there because there is absolutely an audience uh, an audience for that. 
Um, and and I mean, again, you know, the the primary way that they used to do this was uh, the Vonadil Tribune, and that being gone for uh, a couple of years now. So um, uh, that's uh, definitely uh, uh, unfortunate. Um, I, I I miss the Tribune. The Tribune, yeah, was the really Tribune cool. was really cool. Yeah. I remember do, you, using because because I remember way way back in the day they used to actually have that temp log out. So you could lo- temporarily log out into Play Online to read the Tribune. That's true. Or, or actually, no, didn't they used to actually have a Tribune button somewhere in the menu that would temporarily There's log you out? There's a command, isn't there, or something? Yeah, I thought there was a command that would... Te- like, I thought, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I used yeah. to, That's back when I was playing on the PS2. Wow. Like, the yeah, oh man, that was way back <laughs> in the day. Uh, but uh, all right. Well, uh, I think it's uh, I think it's just about time to uh, to wrap this uh, subject up. Uh, but the last thing the last thing that we want to talk about here is uh, just some of the Beastmen. Um, and uh, there's I mean there's not a not a, a ton that I really want to go yeah, into I, here. I, I think that really the Beastmen have have the most facts. Like a lot of the other stuff is really just like you know vermins. These are the vermins. Right. Yeah. You know more like more like groups. But whereas like you know the Beastmen, some of them actually have some really cool things. Uh, like like I think the Sahagans is uh, is probably my favorite. But uh, like, like it says about the Sahagans, that they at one time you know cooperated with the Beastmen armies as their naval force, but since then they have uh, severed all contact with their fellow Beastmen and they just prefer to live their lives as simple fishermen. That's cool. That is cool. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's uh, other uh, some other interesting facts here. Uh, for example, uh, for orcs. Uh, the the brawler type of orcs that we've all uh, that we've all fought, uh, their armor is actually made up of human skin crafted into leather. Yes, it is. I mean, awesome. I guess I guess that you know we can't consider that too barbaric when we have you know the the orc and quadav helms that are dropping this out. Is true. Of, yep. yep. Yeah. We're um, wearing their heads on <laughs> our heads. That's that's <laughs> fairly barbaric. Uh, Yagudo can't actually fly, but are trained to jump very high. Hey, that rhymes. Uh, which explains why their houses in Gideas are often up on high pillars, because prisoners wouldn't be able to escape from those high buildings either. Interesting. Interesting. Um, now, uh, for the for the quad abs, this is kind of interesting. Um, it, you know, there's not a not a whole lot about the quad abs, but uh, they do have a couple of different types of armor, um, and and this armor is actually reflected on the uh, on the, the the different character models themselves. But there is uh, there is the uh, magi shell armor, um, and and this is pretty cool. Uh, this is you must see these on uh, on on a lot of the you know the young quad abs and the uh, uh, you see these on a lot of the mage quad abs. But uh, it actually has uh, 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 sorcery related designs inscribed across the chest and the shell, and it's uh, used by uh, the back rows of the infantry. Uh, it's assumed that they provide uh, some of their allies with magical support. Uh, from the rear, uh, let's see, their uh, their helmet and uh, armor protect themselves uh, from potential enemy magic attacks. So, uh, assuming that there is a uh, a magical defense bonus on the magic shell, magic shell armor. Uh, there's the black shell armor, uh, which uh, this type of armor is made from an alloy uh, of black iron. It's used by the uh, front ranks of the infantry. It's incredibly solid. Uh, equipment and can absorb the strongest blows, uh, but extreme weight requires the wearer to uh, possess uncanny levels of discipline and stamina in order to survive the long marches. Uh, to facilitate mass production of these, uh, they are made without any magical inscriptions. Uh, and finally, the uh, the horn shell armor. Uh, this is uh, this type of the uh, armor has uh, a bronze shell with magical designs on it. 
and uh, also includes what they call uh, red shoulders, the trademark of a quad av officer. Um, so uh, those are your your basic shell types. Now, I mean, obviously you've got uh, armored quad avs coming in uh, uh, with uh, wings of the goddess and the the crystal war. So uh, you've got some variations on some of yep, that too. Right, right. Um, goblins, I know a lot of people have probably seen these, you know, fighting goblins, but those fang sacks that they carry around, you know, dirty little hemp sacks made for holding collections of rotting teeth, uh, is actually a goblin superstition. Rotting teeth brings luck to the goblins and is used to jinx others. Fair enough. Velix, why don't you tell us about the Antikins here? It's actually a nice little cool fact we discussed earlier. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one that he got upset about uh, that it says... It's their, wrong. Dear their uh, lack of vocal speech caused the Galka to underestimate their intelligence, uh, which resulted in their crushing defeat. Gigas, <laughs> <sighs> uh, I think, I think uh, you guys were also touching on earlier, or too, Elmer was talking about the uh, the Vikings or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, those are Gigas. Yeah, Elmer, uh, do do you want to do you want to uh, talk a little bit about uh, uh, the Gigas then? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna actually the monst the Beastman ones are actually up on JP Button. Those I got those done before I got uh, overwhelmed with other stuff. So, so that's where Tim Two got them from. Um, <laughs> ah, link in the chat room so some people can check out those. Um, so yeah, the the bracers, the shields they wear. Or not the bridge, Shield Collector, there it is. So it is customary for Gigas to take the shields from heroes they defeat and hang them from their hip. Why are there so many wooden round shields, though? According to Hume Legend, <laughs> there lives a clan of Vikings far to the north. They are said to have strength in battle that rivals the Gigas themselves, and the theory is that those round shields once belonged to that heroic clan. So there yeah. you go. This was what sparked when um, Wings of the Goddess was coming out. I, I thought, like, oh, maybe there's going to be Vikings as one of the jobs because mm -hmm. it would be a uh, support dancer, uh, backup mage scholar, and then tank Viking. Viking. Which would yeah. be perfect, but apparently they scrapped Viking. I think there's an interview where they were considering it, but it ended up being cut. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and uh, and not only that, uh, I think uh, I think a lot of the reason that the speculation uh, rose again out of uh, one of the descriptions for the Knolls uh, actually yeah. stated that uh, that Knolls were uh, were uh, kind of like a, a Viking equivalent of uh, of a blue mage turning into uh, a, a soul flayer. Um, yeah. So it, yeah, it was it was a similar sort of thing. So there's definitely there have been multiple multiple references to Viking, and y'all called me crazy when I really <laughs> advocated for it, and uh, I still on I'm mm -hmm. still on Viking. Uh, the Tonbury one is let's actually, go Viking. Uh, yeah, the Tonbury one <laughs> says that there is a band of Tonberries who serve as escorts for the barge that rides the waters of the Faunau Canal or the Channel. How can these Tonberries who detest humans so much be working with them? And here's a little bit of spoilers, everyone, that you learn through the Zillart mission here. But the Tonberries are actually what remains of the uh, of the Kulu, wasn't it? Or was it the yeah. Zillart? It's no, that, the, was, that is yeah, the Kulu. Yeah, the Kulu, yeah. It was yeah. actually when, um, the when the they... exploded. Yep, when the crystals exploded, they you know sacrificed themselves to stop the Zillart's uh, plans. And they actually became... The Kulu became Tonberries. So. Radiation overdose. Yeah. There's like another that. interesting fact about Tonberries that uh, many of them, they can't uh, speak 
So when they attacked the Galka, the Galka underestimated their intelligence. And oh, shut up. I'll give you that one, Elmer. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, uh, the last one, one, the last one listed here too, is that uh, the demon, uh, the armor that demons wear, is actually theorized to be an exoskeleton. Yes, and that uh, just seems weird. To they're me. giant bugs, and yeah. and uh, and and demons, uh, uh, they uh, of, of course only appear in uh, the uh, v- Valdinia or whatever. Valdinia, yeah, Valdinia. Uh, currently, uh, d- demons only uh, appear in uh, the uh, Valdinia region. Um, and uh, no beastmen have formerly lived in that region, but uh, recently the Shadow Lord has uh, gathered many demons there to assist him. Um, so obviously that beginning uh, in uh, in the uh, Crystal War era. And uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, uh, most people had, had really no idea of the origin of demons. It seemed to be this uh, this dark pact that the Shadow Lord made with some. I don't know, weird dark oh, entity. The, wasn't that the dark proto crystal in um That's the what zone I thought. North of Zarkabard? Yeah. That's that's what I that's that's exactly what I thought, yeah. Because after What's Her Face got killed in like rank five, Rogrim wandered up north and he Spoilers. made a pact with the crystal yeah. and then he became the Shadow Lord. Well well b- b- because uh he died too, didn't he? Because after Cornelia was cut down, then no. the, the Hume guy uh, attacked him he, fatally, and the reason he couldn't die was because of all the the, the memories of the Gulk and the whole rage and whatnot. That combined... It, it's kind of like how, you know, when you're an emo, you're big emo, and you hate everything, <laughs> and then, like, some dark force <laughs> comes, and it's like, you know, unleash the power, you know, give in to my will, and I can I save you. I was following you. There, there for a second. Yeah, and then and that, that's what the whole the Dark Magicite thing, you know, he sort of, you know, submitted to the Dark Magicite and, you know, became the Dark Lord. Cut his hair sideways and started exactly. listening to My Chemical Romance. Painting his yeah. nails flat. Ralph Grimm's emo. God, get over yourself, dumb Gulka. This is, you know what? This is why no tailkeeper has ever lived to reincarnate. <laughs> Jerks. <laughs> seems we over- like get dead. It seems we overestimated the uh, intelligence of Gulka when it came to reproduction. <laughs> Giving him too much yeah. credit, guys. High five. <laughs> this is the only reason I wanted Velix on the show. So we all yeah, have I know. To I knew it coming in. Uh, I spent a year with the jerk freaking doing rogues glance. <laughs> now that it's over, the truth comes out. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on and being our punching bag, Velix. We heart you, Velix. I, I, don't worry. I still have 1,400 HP left. <laughs> And zero MP. Oh, I, I ran out of that like ages ago. Just be careful of the Antkins. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you know what? Uh, again, history and lore and and uh, canon. This is all. I mean, it's such a huge topic. Yes, it is. Uh, and obviously, can't cover everything. And uh, we highly, highly, highly encourage you. To go out and do investigation of your own. Unfortunately, uh, uh, one of my favorite resources that the the history of Von Adil page that uh, Elmer had talked about before. Uh, that's that's no longer. I don't it's think moved. It's somewhere else. I, I went looking gone. for it a couple of days ago, and I think Blue Garter has it backed up, or somebody has it backed up. And oh, it's, the it's still out big there. Site. Yeah, it's around there somewhere. All right, so uh, we're gonna try to find some uh, some links to those. 
and uh, put those in the uh, the the show notes portion of the uh, show posting on LimitBreakRadio.com. So make sure you check that out. Um, and again, a, a lot of these, um, uh, as Elmer uh, pointed out, uh, exist over on JP Button. And uh, and hopefully, Elmer, it would be nice to see uh, see the rest of them uh, of the articles make an appearance. Uh, I know that uh, that you had sent me the uh, the collection, and it's been a lot of fun, you know, having a lot, having uh, time with them uh, again to to reread them and to to familiarize myself with them again. And they're they're very fascinating reads and and really interesting stuff. And I really want to thank you for uh, all the uh, the di- the time and uh, the effort that you put into uh, translating these and getting these out to uh, the uh, English-speaking community. So, uh, so uh, thank you very much, and, uh, and thank you for joining us. It's been a great show. Okay, yeah, no problem. And thanks for inviting me. And, you know, thanks to the show, I kind of remembered maybe I should get some of the scans up, maybe get some manga back uh, going. Because, I mean, there recently hasn't been much to post about Eleven. I mean, JP Bun's kind of been sitting around a bit. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, me and Corinth... Uh, we put a lot of work into it, but you know we've each we each have our Final Fantasy fourteen projects yeah. and of course work and study and everything. So, but maybe, uh, yeah, thanks to the show, we have some ideas of some stuff to throw up there. So. Well, I mean, if, if all if all else fails and you need you know some content to put up, you can always look into the porn. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's already translated for you in most cases. See, what they need to do is they need to put the history in the porn, and we'll have it all done by like Thursday. <laughs> Hey, Two birds with one stone. Uh, yeah. I wish I didn't have an imagination. Oh. Oh. <laughs> what? Oh. What? Nothing. Trying to get the O going again. Oh, okay. No. Uh, uh, Felix, <laughs> where were you on the back up there? But. Oh, shush. By the way, uh, speaking of Final Fantasy XIV projects, something I do want to mention that uh, should be out by the time that this uh, this show comes out. Uh, hopefully, um, the uh, the very first episode of uh, the uh, collaborative podcast uh, efforts of Pet Food Alpha and uh, Limit Break Radio for Final Fantasy fourteen, uh, the Sunday Club, will be making its <laughs> emergence, and uh, uh, it is called Aetherite Radio. Oh, I didn't even get to vote. Nope, the Sunday Club. Uh, uh, and <laughs> the Sunday Club. Head food alpha, uh, <laughs> and uh, and and so uh, that's going to be uh, available to uh, check out over at uh, orzopedia dot com. Uh, make sure you check that out. Uh, our, our first episode, great, a, a bunch of discussion uh, about uh, the things that we've seen in uh, the Japanese press, as well as the updated North American uh, Final Fantasy fourteen website, and uh, going back all the way to what we found out at E three. We're going to be looking to uh, come out with a, another episode sometime after GamesCon, which uh, is in just a couple of days as of recording this episode. So uh, make sure to uh, be on the lookout for more information there and uh, check out orzopedia.com for all the latest Final Fantasy XIV information. That's gonna do it for us. I don't, dude. I can't. I can't do. It's emails. so it freaking is hot so in here. Hot in this room. You, you guys have no idea. Life is hey. so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, you, dude. You sound like Raugrim. Come on, lol. It's so hard. You, you think you, you think killed this my is girlfriend? Hot. Mm. Well, I, he did. are you telling me I sound like a Gulka? 
<laughs> Not quite. You'd have to sound like uh, no. I'd have to say oh, I'd have to say a in a boot at the end of it to sound like a Galcaino. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh Or uh, or or talk like uh, like uh, uh, Motai. Oh talk like Motai. <laughs> Motai. Uh, the Taru Taru with the Galkan voice it was horrible. He left me a voicemail once talking in Taru Taru with that voice. It scarred me for life. Oh god! It was so monotone and deadpan. Like he was, he had he wrote it down then just read it right from the paper. It was the things nightmares uh. are made of. <laughs> Apparently, Fusion is playing with his ass box right now. <laughs> Is he still? He's been playing with that since we were talking about porn like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> well, that would be why. <laughs> oh, 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 God, we need to end this episode. <laughs> that was horrible. <laughs> really? That was horrible. <laughs> oh, shush. You didn't hear the one I made with Silver Striker earlier. Oh, man. That was bad. Because <laughs> uh, we were talking about combining Silver and Kahlo to create one super being. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know why. <laughs> That's not <laughs> worse than the ass box. Uh, uh, oh. Maybe in the context of the full conversation, totally which we don't need to go into. We totally need to go into that eventually. But. We, no, it doesn't need to happen. Anyway, Elmer, once again, we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, make sure make sure you check out uh, Elmer's website at jpbutton.com. Uh, great, uh, great website and uh, a lot of really fascinating stuff. Uh, uh, up there, and uh, and and once again, Elmer, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. All right, it's time to get get out of here. Uh, once again, uh, check out our, our website www.limitbreakradio.com. Extra Life 2009 coming up October 17th. Uh, get excited! Please donate to our Starbreaker Fund, our our, uh, our Fan Fest and New Equipment Fund. Become a Starbreaker. Uh, join for life. Yes, for life, and uh, and join us for our uh, live Limit Break Radio uh, uh, that, uh, that, we're, that we're doing now. Uh, so uh, lots of fun to be had. Uh, thank you, Starbreakers, for hanging out in, uh, in uh, the, the chat room. And uh, thanks, Velix, for, uh, for being our surprise guest and uh, coming on and hanging out. No problem. It was fun. All right. For the most part. All right. Once again, check out our website, LimitBreakRadio.com. I'm Nero. Keep listening. And I'm Kahlo, henceforth dubbing our guest today as Elmer the Bloody. <laughs> uh, I'm Velox. History can indeed be fun. And I'm Elmer the Pointy, and I do not use the blood of dead babies to create my sight. <laughs> Final Fantasy, Tetramaster, and Bonadilla registered trademarks of Square Enix. Square Enix and Plan Line are trademarks of Square Enix. Limit Break and its hosts are solely responsible for its content.
said anything about dead babies. Does someone have a guilty conscience? This is conscience? like a Satan <laughs> boy thing coming out here now. You pushed me. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Bleeding dead babies to create websites <laughs> and Final Fantasy Eleven porn. Those are the highlights. <laughs> I think we ended well. <laughs> yeah, I like Tower Tar Dragoon. Oh, that's convincing. <laughs> I do not use the blood of dead babies. <laughs> I should put that at the very beginning of the episode. I'm Elmer the Pointy and I do not make <laughs> I loved how earlier in the episode when I was doing the blood thing, Elmer, you sounded so confused. You're just like, what's what's with this blood thing? They're getting, I don't know where you get it from. Where's it coming from? I'm so confused. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that was just-